When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Hello Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and on today's episode of the podcast, we'll discuss the future of Bungie and Destiny 2. We'll give our impressions of the fall expansion that will be coming out on September 17th. We'll dive into the new Crown of Sorrows raid, and we'll learn much more about our special guest, James Work, one of the leading Sherpas in Destiny, and one of the most positive individuals that I've met in this community. So I am so excited. And as a reminder, you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and more. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com. So we have so much to talk about, so let's get on with the show First up, I want to welcome my co-host, Shadow Price. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty great. Like, there, we've had, like, an info explosion from Bungie over the past week. I don't even know where to begin. Like, I'm so excited for, like, the reveal that we got today. I mean, we kind of knew going ahead because it leaked. But I just, I just love what they're doing. You know, I love that the game is going to be like free ever all the content from last year you could be able to play it anywhere except switch hopefully that's in the works because that would be really cool um but yeah man like this is this is really cool like shout outs to bungie absolutely yeah i'm so excited about this and james work thank you so much for being with us it's so awesome to have you on the podcast I'm so excited to be here. I, what a crazy day. I just got done with a Crown of Sorrow raid uh, just prior to the podcast. Got to watch earlier today the Google Stadia announcement and then the, the Bungie live stream of the next chapter and what's next. What a, what a crazy, insanely awesome day for the for the entire community, for all of the Destiny fans. And it's all before E3. Right? Right. So yeah, E3 hasn't happened yet, but it feels like it has. <laughs> Yeah, we learned so much today about the future of Destiny, and it is so exciting. I am beyond excited about what's to come, and we're going to dive into all of that. We're going to talk about all of the changes that are coming to Destiny this fall, and we're going to talk about the Crown of Sorrows raid that just came out. And uh, But before we do, I want to talk to James and learn more about James and what he does and how he got started in this community. And for anybody who does not know, 
James' work is the fearless leader of the workshop with 33,000 Guardians strong on Twitch. He has helped hundreds, is it hundreds of Guardians or is it thousands? Because I've done over 5,000 raids. And in the course of that 9,000 hours of playing the game across all three platforms, I'm sure in those 5,000 raids, there's been, I mean, I don't know, on, on average, there's at least wow. one, two, three new raiders coming into raids that have never done them before. So it, it's, it's a lot. So you have helped over 10,000 Guardians complete raids. That That's remarkable. That's, that's crazy if you think about that number. And, and James is... A raid Sherpa. He helps Guardians out through their first raid completion. And I believe he's one of the most positive individuals in our community. And he his ability to guide and help and Sherpa is absolutely incredible. He's uh, one of the most down-to-earth people, and I'm very excited to have you on. And for anyone who's listening, do check him out at twitch.tv forward slash James Work. We're going to have a link in the show notes as well so you can go ahead and check him out he's a really incredible dude and if you haven't learned about him yet you totally should so uh james to get started with our discussion with the guardians we're going to put you on the hot seat and we're going to learn about you in a much better way and we're going to learn about what you do so to start do you want to share with our audience how you got started playing destiny yeah, definitely. So um, I was in uh, medical sales, a pharmaceutical rep, and uh, two of my close personal friends that live here locally where I live, um, who are both still members of the community, Viking Samurai and Black Xanus, um, were really big into Call of Duty and playing video games on PlayStation. Um, I'd always been a PlayStation guy and and played a lot of PlayStation games with my, with my son, um, but had no idea what Destiny was or that it was coming, had never played Halo, and they encouraged me to sign on for the beta of Destiny. And from the very first moment that I logged into this game and, and, and moved around and jumped and, and used abilities and, 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 uh, and, and nades and supers and, and, and guns, I, I was just instantly hooked for both the progression system and, and just the, the movement and how it felt, the space magic feel, shooting aliens in the face was something that I had never, never experienced before. And I was instantly all in. Yeah, it's a great kit. Like you, you have a great kit as a guardian. Like I feel like it was the evolved version of Halo, you know, because I, I was a big Halo player, as Corn can attest to. I was the one who got him into Halo and everything. And I just felt like it was just a more fluid fluid version and everything just just everything so seamless your your guardian is you know just it, it was awesome now james before you started playing destiny were you playing call of duty you know i i'm sure i did there, there had to have been a a, a modern warfare or something that i had played prior with my son but i was never big into any video game um prior to destiny all, all my gaming experience had always been renting a game at the blockbuster or getting a game through gamefly and you play through the initial story missions of of one of the call of duty campaigns and you, you put whatever it is you know six eight ten hours in a game and then you send it back in the mail to gamefly or return it to blockbuster for something else there, there had never been a game that had pulled me in that i had played for hours and hours and hours since i'd have to say back to like the 
the old Atari or Nintendo days where you'd play, um, you know, mm. Legend of Zelda for hours and hours and just forever. Road Rash and Pac-Mans and Cuberts and Pitfalls. Con- and, Contra. Yeah, Contra. Oh my gosh, we played Contra for. We st- we still do. Up, up, down, yeah. down, left, right, left, right. B A select start because yeah, it was my brother yeah. and I, and we needed the Gotta two players cool. to do it and have the Absolutely. unlimited ammo, and we'd play those games for hours. And and mm-hmm. somewhere, I, I don't know if it's that I got older. Or if, if the games just changed significantly, but I, I I fell out of love for playing most of those games for that much time. I think in like the Sega days, there were a handful of Road Rash type games. There was a um, Star Control was this weird one we played in college that we'd play for hours. It was just this goofy, almost like asteroids. You'd have a couple different spaceships with different abilities and, and chase after each other. But very few games have ever caught my attention to play for that many hours. And this game just instantly sucked me in. Yeah, same, same. I I love the shooting mechanics in Destiny. I think it's more fluid and and better than any game that I've ever played. And the fact that you can go in with five other people and it it requires so much coordination and strategy. For example, if you're going to go in and play a raid Mm -hmm. or even if you're going to play competitive multiplayer, right? It requires so much coordination, unlike any other game that I've ever experienced. And that made it very special for me, being able to play a game with my two best friends. And like I still remember going through Destiny 1, playing through the first strike, being completely underleveled, having all white weapons. And we were in there for hours in the hollowed lair, trying to beat Fogoth for like two hours. And then we finally beat him. And it's such a cool moment when you finally beat it. You feel such a sense of accomplishment. You get that little bump. You get that blue because yeah. we had green weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm so excited to talk about the next chapter in Destiny because it's going to be so cool to see what they do with the new RPG style of Destiny that will be coming more than what we've had before in the upcoming expansion and beyond yeah very like, exciting like the the thing that's so exciting too is just like the model that they're changing they're going to bring so many more people in and if they enjoy playing it and they're getting all this new like new rpg focused by that you know by bungie into this game it's like this is going to be everybody's dream come true version of destiny definitely feels like it using terms like mmo and rpg where in the past i think they they purposely avoided those kind of terms yeah. and for them to, to show some of the progression of even like the artifact and all the different things that you can upgrade. I think that's, that that's really going to speak to a lot of people, what they've been craving for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And James, so how do you become a raid Sherpa? I mean, you, you started playing the game in 2014, 2016, you became a raid Sherpa, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how do you so, get so well, how do you get so good in the game? How much have you played to get to a point where you can be so good to be a Sherpa and to help other people? Were you always helping people in video games? Yeah, ne- never, never. And, and honestly, I, I've, I've, I've always been pretty good at games that I've just spent so many hours in 
but I've never been one of those players that could pick up any game and be instantly good at it. I'm one that has to really grind at something and memorize the patterns and get good. And, and, and it was never a, I I've done so many raids. Okay. I'm going to go help other people do it. It was actually the opposite. I, we, and in, in the early vault of glass days, um, we had a very difficult time getting together enough experience, enough ability to even clear through vault of glass and and just on a whim the other day we were looking on raid.report and we brought up the my crota crota's end uh statistics and i want to say it was like the first 15 crota's ends that we did and some of them were over three hours over four hours hour and a half hour and 15 minutes it was at least 15 that we didn't get a single clear and i i think within our own friend group that played uh, locally, starting with those two guys that got me into the game back from the original beta days that I've been playing with, and then some other friends that we picked up along the way, um, we weren't getting clears of Crota's End, right? We didn't have the DPS to consistently get Crota to kneel. We didn't have a sword bearer strong enough to get up there and kill him. And, and I think where I started as a Sherpa was the exact opposite of what you'd probably think. Instead of having so much experience where I could go in there and teach other people how to do it, it was me literally going on to LFG groups telling everybody I wanted to be a sword bearer, spending hours and hours and hours doing nothing but sword bearing in LFG groups, um, and and eventually building enough experience to where I could go in and say, okay, you know, I, I've got uh, 150 clears of, of Crota as a sword bearer. I'm going to teach you guys how to do a, a triple down one phase, no distraction bubble kill. I'm going to use a, uh, a hunter where I'm going to uh, pop my super and spend to go and viz and go up and pick up the sword and spend to go and viz and jump on the stage. I'll count out the timing. You guys don't have to put up the distraction bubble or deal with the boomers. I'm going to tell you exactly when to den them the first time. I'm going to drop the sword, melee to and viz, pick the sword back up, get him again to drop the sword swipe away come back across and get him the third time we're going to get him in one phase um and and then i i think in an effort to convince my friends to get them to to let me sword bear for them i think that's why i started streaming on twitch was to have video on demand to record me doing this so that i could share it with them so they would let me sword bear when i played when i did the raids with them <laughs> That's a really cool story. Yeah. That's funny because we, uh, our buddy Nem also did the same yeah. thing uh, on Planet Destiny. He did a lot of sword bearing mm -hmm. for uh, people as well. Yep. So. And actually in our group, Shadow Price was kind of the main sword bearer. We yeah. always I, rely on him to do it. I did wow. take that, that, that crown a little bit. Love it. See, my thing was, and I think it still is slightly a part of my I wouldn't say anxiety because it's not really anxiety, but it's more like I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy who holds up the team, five other people that are trying to complete something. And I know people can be pretty mean sometimes. Oh, <laughs> so I, I never really took the, I never really found the courage to like step up and be the main guy in the raid, you know, being the sword bearer. I, I think I've done it like maybe twice. <laughs> there's and definitely that, anxiety the first few times oh, yeah. trust me like my oh, yeah. my heart was going to jump out of my my throat a few times because mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm like i do not want to screw this up right now <laughs> like, but it, it's also like a thrill it's like a roller coaster ride like think about the zero hour mission when you first encounter trevor it's like this holy shit moment like something's dude that was like me. straight it's out of a so horror cool. movie like so so cool Straight out of an 80s horror movie. This, like, freaking machine-like thing with, like, razor-sharp blades chasing you. At lightning speeds. 
such a great piece of content. What an amazing job they did with that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're actually going to be doing a raid along at GuardianCon. We're going to talk about that more. That's going to be part of the weekly update discussion uh, that Bungie revealed earlier today. And man, I'm so excited for this game. And uh, James, what is your favorite raid moment in Destiny? You've done so many raids. Oh boy. Do you um, have a favorite moment? I, I, I'm sure amongst the pile of like killing Atheon during moments of Age of Triumph with swords and learning how to get the sword pattern down to kill him with swords only or having Crota chase you like like back into the back into the room and like attack oh, yeah. the team and kill the whole team at once or um, having Vosik and Vosik phase one and, and Wrath of the Machine jump down off the stage down on the floor and having to kill Vosik on the floor. I mean, I, I can think of every raid Axis uh, being upside down at one point. And he came down on the floor once for a final stand. So many. I, I have to think that that probably one of my favorite though was was taking a uh, a younger guardian uh, through their very first King's Fall. Um, we got to the end. We 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 had to grind a little bit at the uh, at the final boss at Oryx for the boss fight. And and this guardian, I think that the only thing that they wanted in the world was to get one particular scout rifle. And when this guardian opened up that scout rifle, the, the the exuberation, I swear to you guys, he went on for at least five minutes. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's a Duma Jelchus! I can't believe it! I can't get the f***ing And the entire fire team, I, I think we were all just grinning ear to ear that this kid had, had literally gotten the best thing, the best Christmas present, the most amazing thing they'd ever gotten in the entire game. And, and, and like when I think about those high points as like a, a Sherpa or, or playing the game, like like it's those moments. That was um, his Gallahorn moment. Yeah, that was his yeah. Gallahorn moment. And we yeah. all have them, right? Like I can remember yeah. my Gallowhorn and my Icebreaker, and like, like to be there when somebody has one of those moments, and like that, that, that exuberance, that youthful exuberance. There's nothing more addictive to me to like to be a part of that and hear that happen. Absolutely, yeah. I I can relate. I remember when Shadow Price got his Gallowhorn. Holy shit, it was so exciting! Like, <laughs> and he grinded for so long to get it, and we played a raid, and it was so cool to see it drop for him. I was so I, happy. I got six truths before I got Gallahorn once. Like, literally, I would play the Nightfall over and over again, three characters every week, and I would just get truth every week. Truth, truth, truth. And I'm just like, this game hates me. <laughs> it's like, my RNG is shit. <laughs> Let me tell you, that Gallarhorn did not drop for me in the raids. It it just didn't. Actually, well, it, it did during the stills in the... Uh, what is it the the crota raid yeah and it was like reset day it was like seven o'clock in the morning right when they released the new reset i think it was different timing than it is now mm -hmm. and i Two went to the, the stills and there was a chest on the left side in the stills that <gasps> still dropped exotics occasionally yeah. and i did it before school and i remember that it just dropped for me from that chest and i was so excited i actually so called cool. shadow price that morning at seven in the morning like screaming so excited yeah. that i got my drop it's it's amazing like i don't think i've ever had any other game where i was so attached to the weapons yeah none 
I mean, no Call of Duty games, no Halo games gave me the same joy from getting that Gallarhorn, getting that Vex Mythic class, mm-hmm. getting the Fatebringer. These yeah. are all weapons that are so special that we still talk about to this very day from 2014. Absolutely. Yeah, my it's name insane. isn't AK-12. My name isn't Honey Badger. My name is Shadow Price. Yeah. Because right. that, game, that Auto rifle, was, right? Yep. Yeah. That was my, that, that was my favorite weapon. Yeah. Even though I got that weapon through, I grinded the legendary like marks. Get the legendary marks to, to get it. Because Love it. I had a Dr. Nope, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. Because the bullet holes auto rifles back in D1 were not good. Yep. And then you needed that high impact one. And that's what I took into Vault of Glass with me. Because mm-hmm. that was my weapon that I used for a while. Now, James, how did you get your Gallarhorn to drop for you? You, you know, my first Gallarhorn on PlayStation, I think, came from the Crota Zen Raid. I think I got it during the Crota Zen Raid. And, and um, I remember being so excited Same. because having the wolf pack rounds that would come off of that thing after it would hit would give that sustained DPS of Crota and allow you to get him to take a knee. And without it, like so many other rocket launchers, you'd have to aim at his feet or or you'd have to, to, to fight in different ways. And it completely changed the ability to do that. And then maybe that was one of the reasons, too, that I wanted so desperately to be good at being a sword bearer. Because as a sword bearer, I didn't have to worry about using a Galahorn to down him. And I didn't have the gun. So I would almost even, like, debate the merits of Icebreaker being a better gun than Galahorn to my friends. Because I never had the Galahorn. Like, and, like, I wanted to believe it was the better gun because I didn't have it to use. So you didn't buy the Gallarhorn uh, week two when Zer was selling it, huh? I didn't. I don't think anybody did. I think I fell into the same trap as everybody else. I was like, you know what? Uh, 99% of the kills I get in this game are with my primary weapon. Like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend all this currency, I barely have enough on an exotic. I'm gonna spend it on a on a primary exotic because that's where you need that, that, that's what you shoot most of the time, right? I can throw yeah. on anything in that in that in that heavy slot. Yeah, either people would buy either the Sunbreakers, because that's what everybody, or the Warlock, the, mm-hmm. the Gauntlet. People were buying that instead of Galhorn because they didn't know what Galhorn was at no. the time. Uh-uh. They didn't know is the monster-killing machine that it was Yep, and everything. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's really funny. It's like the way the, I don't know, the way the weapons kind of like make you play certain ways. And it's like that's what happened was LFG was... They were demanding people use Galahorns. Mm-hmm. Like they, you need mm-hmm. a Galahorn. Like if you didn't have a Galahorn, you couldn't join our raid group and mm-hmm. everything. And that's when Bungie was like, "Okay, well, we gotta put a stop to this because <laughs> this is not looking good." Mm-hmm. What What do you guys think about that whole concept of people saying, "Okay, you have to have this. You have to be seven thirty light, whatever the requirements are." I mean, I've went on elitism and some elitism. people people are pretty. Uh, demanding with their requirements what do you guys think about that do you guys think it's fair that people are going to require that you have that gallerhorn going into an activity or do you think that it's not a good precedence in our community you know i've actually come full circle on this i've or, or turned a 180 on this right initially um when i was doing my my first vaults of glass and and doing crota's end and going on the lfg groups to sword bear um i'd be very frustrated when people would demand that you have to have certain weapons and be of a certain power level or, or light level at the time. And, and you have to have so many clears of the raid. 
And um, I get a lot of people that ask ask me this question on a regular basis. And and the reason why I flipped around on it is as you play more and as you engage with more personalities of people and as you bring people into your fire team uh, hundreds of or thousands of times in order to play with these guys, you start to realize that there are a lot of people in this world that have full-time jobs and spouses and kids and responsibilities and they may only have an hour to play this game tonight that they love and they love the game every bit as much as you do but they they don't have seven hours to do a raid they've got an hour and they've already done the raid themselves 15 times right and they're just trying to get that one more clear this week to have their chance to get that galahorn but they know that they need to turn off the system at a certain time because they have to go to work or they have to, to to make dinner for the kids or they have to um have to go to bed for the night right to get ready for school the next day whatever it is and when those guardians go on to lfg and they're asking for a certain amount of experience and a certain loadout or a certain power level or light level. I don't think it's that they're trying to be elitist and they're trying to, to, to not want to help anybody. I think the same exact guardians are more than happy to go in on a Saturday when they have extra time and teach the raid and take that extra time. But they know for this individual raid, they have a very limited time window and they're not trying to punish anybody for not being there. They just know they, they want to be able to get a quick clear sometimes and other times be able to help people. Yeah, I think it's case by case basis. I think some people are generally just exactly like you said, you know, they're looking to get that clear. They want something quick done because they don't have a lot of time. But there are the people that I'm, I'm talking early destiny, like it, back in like when Crota first started, um, when when Vault of Glass was like, you know, a thing too in the beginning where people it, it was more for Crota. They, they wanted Gallahorns for Crota. And everything but just some people on there just were kind of like very i don't know i would say a little just short-sighted toxic about it and everything but i can see where you're saying what you're saying too james like it makes sense that some people they just have limited time because they've already spent all this time like running the raids with other people and things like that and so it makes sense yeah and i kind of agree with shadow price on this a little bit because I feel that there are people who absolutely they have very limited time to play and they want to get stuff done and you can't fault them for it. You can't hate them. I also come across people who are just kind of snobby and they just literally will never play with you, will never help anyone out, will only play with the team that gives them the highest chance of completing something and everybody else is just unimportant. Um, so I've I've had share of both in the community i think i went on uh, lfg the other day and some people were like asking for ridiculous things like you had to complete the day one raid you have for like every raid that happened before this <laughs> one or you couldn't play with them and i'm like what have you done this bro like do you have that stat so it's you know the the thing is there's so many people playing this game and when you go online, you don't see people face to face. So I think people don't feel as much of a responsibility to be as respectful to each other and to be good to each other. So you do have a fair share of both to toxicity and people who just don't have the time. Yeah, there's a fair amount of memes as well that'll happen within those LFGs where they'll ask for ridiculous stuff that they're not expecting the people that, that write back to actually have done. They're just doing it as a joke to try to get the right personalities of people that are in a in a fun, joking mood to want to come in. That's a good point. 
So maybe I just need to develop a better sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the problem this whole time. I am enlightened. I'm learning so much. And we're not even playing a raid right now. I mean, you need a sense of humor in this game sometimes with the way RNG is. Because, like, one day it's going great. Another day you're just not getting nothing. (laughs) So, Oh, yeah. So, James, what's the most difficult raid that you had to Sherpa someone through? Like in general, which one of the raids or like one incident like the, of one raid? The one, the one experience where you were just struggling to keep it together. Oh it was boy. bad, bad. I, I've had lots of those. I, I think probably one of the more recents would have to be like a, um, a Leviathan raid where you're, oh. you're at the end. You're on a, a prestige Leviathan. You're you're at the throne room and you've got, you know, three or four inexperienced guardians. When you know, you know, you'd be so much better off with like four or five experienced and the one new guy. Um, you're, you're setting the room up because you've done it so many times for success. So you've got two people in the throne room, one that can pretty much solo the throne the other person that's going to be bouncing back and forth with the four that you're keeping in the void. Uh, you're stacking purposely an extra guardian in the void room so that at any given time, when that when that scion in, in the throne room gets meleeed, the void room is going to lose one of their four. So there's three left, and they can shoot the three ground scions and shoot the two projections and then be ready uh, to go up to the next barrier and get through. And you were desperate because you've gone on for hours now. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to remember the exact timing. Um, we had one where I, I could go back and look. I, I want to say we were at... Um, this particular fight on Prestige for at least six hours. It might have been longer than that with this particular fire team. And and I got so far to the edge that I actually, like in despair, created a song because I was so frustrated that they wouldn't call their symbols. And I just desperately, like you can't yell at them. You can't laugh at them. You can't passively, aggressively, you, you know, uh, 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 try to convince them. At some point, you, you got to try something different to just break the ice to, to to figure out a way to impact through that like the most important thing that you guys are doing in there yeah you got to shoot the three ground signs and shoot the two projections but if you don't call out the, the, the symbol on the forehead it's not going to work so so part way through and, and and there's lots of great clips of this i'm sure out there and it's been meme many times since i i just start at the top of my lungs singing out cop sword dog son dog son and I, I invent this stupid song because I was literally at my wit's end of how in the world do I convince you must call your symbols, please, to get them to call their damn symbols in that, in that parade. I was, I was going nuts. Oh, my God, James. We're sharing a brain here. Um, <laughs> that, that is my most... Um, Shadow's favorite raid. Like, that's... <laughs> that pulls it, like every inch of my heartstrings like i just like i that raid i don't know what it is i can never well i that's why i don't have a prestige leviathan clear because every yeah. group i we get with like yeah. there's it's just something goes wrong again like you said the symbols yeah or the gauntlet like not right. shooting the scions and everything that's spawning in the random locations or cross shooting the scions in the in the in the shadow realm Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh my god and it literally we did it over and over again just like you said i think it was about six hours and i literally was sick 
I had a headache yeah. so bad. I felt like I had a freaking migraine. I'm just like, am I am I gonna die right now? Like, am I gonna die playing this raid? It's yeah, just because it's it's killing me right now. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so, not to say that you don't get into a King's Fall at Totems where you spend three hours on an encounter and they can't make their callouts and they can't transition. And there's certainly other fights that we've had throughout the years of Destiny that are equally difficult. But man, there was something about that one where you could bring in a new fire team. And what always blew my mind about that fight was that the very first time or within the first couple of attempts, you'd have a really good run where you'd almost beat it. And it was mm -hmm. almost like the team would get so dejected that they failed that it would fall apart. And it would take you three hours to get back to damage again. Like, what happened? You got to the yeah. damage phase your first try. And now you're not even close to being able to shoot the boss again. It, it just was amazing. Like, they had to learn every yeah. little mistake and every nuance and every every bump that could knock them over. And every every everything in the whole way where initially they just kind of made it through all that, you know? Yeah, that was uh, the Queen's Walk the other day. Ain't that right, Corn? Mm. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I did get a little frustrated with that group, and I I can understand. You know, some people don't have as much experience with things, and I don't mind that. You know, just, you know, listen to what people are saying. Don't mm -hmm. ignore it completely because it doesn't help anyone, especially when you're doing something that requires so much coordination. Leviathan, I, st I remember last week we tried playing... A prestige leviathan remember and we got yeah that's the, what i'm referring uh, to yeah nice the, the plates and it was like oh guys come on it's it's not that bad mm -mm. yeah it's just people didn't understand the the scions like when they would spawn and they needed to be punched and they needed to be shot and if you didn't do that you're gonna wipe and i was like we're gonna wipe every time if we don't shoot or punch the scions and everything yeah so it's just yeah it's it's something. It's a thing. <laughs> but that raid is definitely, like, it's very divisive for me. I, I, I want to get, like, my catalyst for Acris. Yeah. And everything. But it's just, like, the pain. Mm -hmm. The pain of that raid, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you uh, what, Shadow. After we get our raid jackets, then we're going to we're gonna get this done. We're going to get you that bread. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We absolutely got to get that for you. You know, the, the pain thing something I've talked a lot about this week, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have, that there are a, a lot of Guardians that feel like those world's first type experiences in raids and those really, really difficult raids um, are, are like some of the most fun things they do in the game. But when you're there with them in the heat of the moment, or when you're watching them on, on Twitch or your favorite platform watching them do those raids and they're 18 hours into an attempt um after six hours of leveling up that they, they don't look like they're having fun and and i get that at the end when they finally beat it that sense of accomplishment that 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 award for having the emblem that they've done it within the first 24 hours the the bragging rights that you completed this is huge but if you're miserable for 18 hours trying to do it if you're not enjoying the activity, I, I wonder if they really are having fun or if they just convince themselves they are because they want that end goal because they're so driven to have the reward. Yeah, because all of a sudden just nobody talks. Like I've noticed that when you're in there for a long time, nobody says anything. <laughs> you start it up and it's like, all right, so you guys ready? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like nobody says Everybody a word. Everybody gets exhausted. No. And it's at a time yeah. when communication is kind of key it's key like during a raid, more important to trying to figure it out yeah yeah 
Yeah. And it's very polar opposite from the times where you go in, you know, at, at 10 power over the final boss. So then you're over even more so over the earlier bosses. Your guns are doing their max damage. You're taking less input. You you know most of the mechanics, if not all. Maybe you got one new person on the team, and you're literally laughing and making jokes and and, and using weird weapons mm-hmm. and loadouts and killing bosses with sidearms and and, and and your friend like dies to an ad they knew better than die from. So you get to joke and make fun of them and how did you die to that one? And like that's fun to me. Like you're laughing yeah. and having fun and having a good time, but there's a lot of people that swear they want the game to be more difficult and they want it to feel like you're always 40 power under all the enemies and like that's their favorite version of the game but when you watch them play that version i i question if 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 they made the game like that if it would be more fun i i think 90 percent of the player base wouldn't play it if every experience was like a world's first well and if you but if you think about it i think that destiny is such a versatile game where if you want it to be that difficult you can you can drop your light level down you can put on lower level armor and make it more challenging for you if you'd like to. Absolutely. But how many guardians, like when you think of, of modifiers like blackout and glass and, uh, and and putting your power level at 40 below and, 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 and putting on attrition and momentum and some of these things, like I, I, I bet, I bet if we could dig in to the numbers at Bungie to look at like how many people play the heroic strike playlist when blackouts on how many people play uh the reckoning when glasses on I, I i bet i bet the numbers tank to zero because most people don't want that added challenge they want the fun of going in and shooting some some aliens in the face and that's why bungie makes moves to remove some of that stuff from an activity like reckoning because when they look at the data mm-hmm. i don't think most of the player base cares to play that now, you know, I have proud moments where we were able to get up that bridge and reckoning, you know, and, and, and do it flawlessly without supers, um, you know, uh, on, on regular modifiers, on glass and on blackout. And, and with the right personalities, with the right friends in there, laughing and having fun with it as a challenge, that's great. But I don't know if the average Guardian feels that way. You know what I think yeah. it has to do with? I think that Bungie can do a better job at rewarding you for that extra challenge and i think that if a guardian looks at an activity and you can get the same reward for it being easier or more challenging most people will pick the easier option but if they had an extra triumph or an extra emblem or something extra to get to to have a trophy for their accomplishment i think more people would pursue some of the more challenging things in the game I think and, you're exactly right. I think you hit the nail on the head. And they've you, gotten you, a lot better. You know what at that this reminds me of? Like, you know what this reminds me of? Back in Halo Reach, I don't know if you, uh, if James, you played that game. I know Shadow Price did because I played a shit ton of Halo Reach with him. But there was there was this uh, flaming helmet, and you had to grind forever to get it. Mm-hmm. Man, when I got that, you needed a million skull, credits, I think, for it. You needed yeah. a million credits to to get it. And wow. It was the ultimate challenge. I think it took like seven months to achieve that. Yeah. But once you got that done, the sense of achievement is so amazing. And I, I think that if Bungie added that extra extra something as a trophy, whether it be a skin or whether it be mm-hmm. a catalyst, whatever, I think that would really push things over the top. And that's why 
with catalysts, I think it would be much better if instead of making them random drops during strikes and crucible, things like that, if they made them specific drops for specific really, really tough things to accomplish in the game. Yeah, I, I, I think you're not, you couldn't be possibly more right. You, th- you think about Cade and what Cade said with, and there, there will be loot. Like, it, it's all about the loot. So many players that play this game, they'll play the same strike 500 times if they feel like there's that really good piece of loot there. Do you think about some of the more difficult things that, that the Guardians achieve that they have the most pride in, where they go through and they'll, they'll solo a Shattered Throne, or they'll go in a, with a fire team and, and they'll go flawless and, and unlock that triumph, or they'll do solo and flawless and unlock that triumph. And when, when, there, when there's a, a checkbox, when there's a, an emblem that you can put up there that everybody can see, oh, this guy soloed this activity, when there's the, 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 the Petra's run or the like a diamond or the there, there, there's that that loot there's that achievement there's that that acknowledgement just the fact that you did a nightfall at 40 powered under with 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 blackout and all these modifiers on if there's nothing tied to it at the other end it's not there i've heard people talk about things like you know taking a a, a gun and if you get 10,000 kills with that gun then all of a sudden that unlocks some some perk or skin or catalyst or achievement or something and you almost back towards like what we had originally um, where you had to to put experience into things to unlock them. I, I think that, that maybe going back to the original system, that would be too much. Because getting a gun and having the perks not unlocked, you can't shoot the gun and see if you even like it to want to put the time into it. But to take your favorite gun that you're going to use anyway, and then to have it have that counter on there and then be rewarded because you got to 1,000 kills or 5,000 or 10,000 and you get some special, unique something, and that reward for, for, for doing something difficult, I think you're exactly correct. People would really, really enjoy that. And I think Bungie has actually been addressing that. Like, you know, they, they have all these different triumphs now in the game and mm-hmm. the, the, these special achievements that you can get for, you know, achieving these awesome things and stuff, you know, like getting worlds first and getting a really cool emblem. And, you know, well, that raid belt, that raid belt was, was awesome. Like uh, congratulations yeah. to like be bold, you know, that, oh my that gosh. was, that was Carolina gamer and esoteric. And I think people yeah. had three teams in the race. A lot of those guys I've raided with before I was a world sixth place in Spire of stars with, with a lot of the be bold guys. Um, we were the first fire team in the world uh, to to beat uh, Leviathan on PC when it came out, and was a lot of those guys in Be Bold, and to see those guys go out there and get not just first place, but they they had another team that was up there within the the top the top few. Uh, that was really really cool. I'm so proud of Carolina Gamer and all those guys. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. And one day we 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 set a goal for ourselves. We did practice for this raid. Mm-hmm. quite a bit i spent like two three weeks prepping i mean it was insane and uh one day we're gonna get our day one completion done maybe maybe the next one because we're gonna get a raid in the fall and we're gonna talk a little bit more about that yeah in just a little bit so speaking of raids and speaking of new content what are your thoughts of the new crown of sorrows raid james and uh the new season of opulence i i, I i'm really enjoying it the uh the initial watching those guys struggle being forced to be so far under level to everything, it looked insanely difficult. And contest mode, I, I think, was 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 very successful in that 
the the competition was very entertaining to watch and a lot of fun watching these teams battle back and and and, and compete and had they gone in there you know uh, as as seven thirties or above and finished that thing in in two hours I think it would have been very anticlimactic to see the teams have to struggle and really have to play their lives and 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 learn. Uh, the mechanics and come up with strategies and, and how do you get through. It's a very well-designed raid. It's a lot of fun now that contest mode is turned off to be able to go in there and storm through the early encounters. And and, and there, there, there's this, this story arc of these raids where when you do them the initial times and you just absolutely get your butt kicked and you're underpowered, you're underleveled, uh, you don't have the gear, you don't have everything leveled up, you don't have the mods, you don't have the perks on the raid armor, and you just get annihilated in these activities to then be able to go back in. And we're only, what, a couple days in now? This is Thursday. It just came out on Tuesday. Two days in, we're already seeing such enormous success in comparison, getting our way through and figuring out what weapons and what strategies and what callouts to get through. I, I can't wait to see how this raid will season over the course of the next weeks and months to where when we play this raid for the 250th time and everybody on the fire team's a 750 and we know what the very best weapons are, how quickly you can burn down these bosses and and, and how fun that story arc is to, to do your first raid that took 18 hours and then to do your fourth raid that you can do in two hours and then to do your 250th raid in 20 minutes and completely annihilate these bosses that just tortured you for so long is i think really really cool it's a definitely a home run did a great job on this raid it's it's funny you mentioned that because we played um day one for uh scourge of the past and i didn't beat it i got to the boss we, we got to the final boss we actually got pretty close to beating it but we couldn't do it and it was fatigue was kicking in and we were just exhausted and now i'm just grinding on a weekly basis playing the scourge raid and it takes like 30 minutes and it's amazing the the difference between the first time that you go into an activity and then months later you're just so good at it that you can literally breeze through it like you're playing a strike in fact the crota's end raid a lot of people refer to it as a strike and i don't get it i think it's a, a great raid i think it's an amazing raid but people are able to complete raids to a point where it just feels like a longer story mission once you've actually got everything down but that first time is so challenging yeah i yeah, think they look back with like rose-colored glasses the initial clears of crota zen the prestige heroic crota zen it took hours that was hard and i think I they're remembering one time yeah, before. yeah they're remembering when they're overpowered when it got easy it didn't start that way yeah, like that's the thing, and that you know you're gonna get your butt kicked like that those first like couple days because you're just so under leveled. Those enemies are hit so hard, like it takes so many like rounds to down them. Just just a normal acolyte, and it's, forget alone the the knights and everything. You just have to unload a whole clip of like LMG into them and everything. And it's just that's the thing. It's like you get better weapons, you power up, you know, you get more powerful, then you're able to tackle the you know uh, tackle the obstacles and the encounters much faster and everything you know that's kind of like how the design was i think is for them you know it's like it's going to be hard the first day they want to be hard they want players to you know be challenged and everything you know that it, it would be debilitating for them to put out a raid out and it'd be beaten like less than an hour definitely 
and not to mention the menagerie in season of opulence i really like the menagerie i I really do menagerie i like that a lot that is a lot of fun me too the the return to the underbelly of the leviathan the tie-ins to the new raid um the the rooms and how you go through the changing modifiers every day and then the future that they've already forecasted for us that we're going to get a a different boss at the end of every week we've got six player and it's this match made activity on normal mode uh, so you can go in there even if you don't have your friends if you're if you got 20 minutes to waste because you guys are going to get together and do a raid later on that evening uh, the, the 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 chalice and the ability to put in these these runes and upgrade it with imperials and get specific weapons that have you know okay I want the sniper rifle and I want it to have this perk and I want it to have this masterwork and and, and how do you upgrade that and the different just like baking the cookie recipes put it together and then to know that there's going to be a heroic mode that comes out that then won't have matchmaking so if fire team members want to go in there and potentially five man this thing or four man or three man or two man um I, I think it's really good. I can't wait to see the future for what that thing brings and, and how much fun it is to replay. Yeah, and let's not forget, we're also getting a heroic mode, so it makes me wonder what weapons are we going to get, what armor are we going to get that's different in the heroic version of this right. activity. Yeah. It's exciting. And yeah. it, it feels different every time you play it. Yep, I, I played it a couple times, but every but for the both times that I played it, the encounter felt different. It, it was very fast-paced didn't feel like it took too long for me to complete it it was on a timer mm-hmm. and the mini uh, call it was fun <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> that was that was really fun to go back to yeah. yeah and i feel like they're starting to use their game assets in a much better way where yeah. they're reusing the, the leviathan in such a way where people are really enjoying it and they're actually using the content that's there and i think historically Bungie has not been very good at preserving the content they make because it almost feels like once the season is over, that activity is kind of useless. Like think about Escalation Protocol. Once you got the EP shotgun, once you got your drops from that, it was irrelevant. It's over. I mean, mean, yes, you do your clan bounties in in the EP, but yeah it, that's it there, this one much reason to go this back. one has way more replayability and um you got to give a shout out to the vicarious visions because uh, i think they, they killed it like yep. that is an amazing piece of like content mm-hmm. like the menagerie is so much fun like i think it's the best version of the horde mo- of a horde mode that they've had that we've had so far I, yeah. I love how it feels like the progression from room to room to room, depending on the aptitude of the fire team, feels yeah. very different. You you can you can flawless a room and get a special triumph to unlock and make your progression to get to the boss faster. And then how you navigate downstairs and one lap you'll see these these different rooms and the different lap you'll see other different rooms. And, and I love the fact that because they made it a match made activity. You can't fail normal mode. It doesn't seem like no matter what you do, no matter how poorly the fire team plays, no matter how underleveled and inexperienced they are, there's never a failure point. You're going to eventually succeed. And I can't help but think that when that heroic version comes out and there's no matchmaking, it, that, that that's one of my theories of what they're going to do. You're, you're going to be able to fail this thing. It's going to be like the reckoning where you get to the boss and you're on a timer and you've only got so many mm-hmm. abilities to res and it's going to feel much more raid-like and, and, and you could actually fail and have to start over from scratch. And then to your point, what in the world are they going to come up with loot-wise 
to encourage us to want to do that version instead. There's got to be some cool loot hidden in there. Yeah. I'm definitely expecting some perks that are going to be special in the game. I'm expecting maybe some catalysts even. I'm sure there's got to be some exotics in that activity too. Got to be, right? Absolutely. Catalysts, exotics, for sure. Yeah. And it's going to be really exciting. And armor too. Yeah. It's it's just really cool. Like I'm gonna say it again. Vicarious Visions, man, they killed it. Like they Absolutely. killed it with this. They killed it with the Spire Stars. Over and like, over, they do. Yeah, and everything. Like what a quality studio that Activision mm-hmm. had there. Yeah. You know. And and you know about Vicarious Visions. That's kind of the one thing that I'm going to really miss about the Activision and Bungie partnership mm-hmm. because they're not going to have High Moon Studios and Vicarious Visions helping them out with the content. So it makes me wonder, will they be able to keep up with the pace on their own? And it, it's, we still don't know, right? It's still kind of a mm-hmm. question mark. So far, we're really enjoying this content, but you got to remember, this was made under the Activision umbrella, and we're all celebrating, we're all having fun, and it sounds like it's going to be a really bright future for Destiny. Obviously, they had to make some really tough decisions when they broke away from Activision. Yeah, and with the PC port, like Vicarious Visions killed it there too. Oh my god, amazing! So amazing I mean, job. Like yep. we have, we have just so much like thanks and gratitude to give to those those guys. Like yep. it's amazing. Like, I don't do. know about you guys, but like the first time that I played Destiny Two on PC, like I almost had tears in my eyes. It was so incredible to play this game, and it looks so beautiful. It the art style. The frames, it, it was just like this incredible experience that I've never had before. Yeah, I, I remember little things like the first time I, I fired a rocket out of the rocket launcher and could like visualize the color of the round coming out, matching the void and the arc and effects. solar and the particle yeah. effects of when it hit and how and how it reacted. The the first time I threw a nade and looked at what it looked like on PC as opposed to, to console, I can remember going into the pools encounter of the Leviathan raid. And, and there's those little corner uh, areas that have like the little cages around them in that middle room where the, where the, uh, the bathers come up out of it. And like looking down at, at, at what the water looked like, where the bather comes up out of it, that, 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 that fluid on PC. And I'm thinking in my mind, does it look like that on console? Because that's amazing. Like that doesn't look like that. This is completely. They didn't just port this game over. They they redid everything in this game yeah. to make it for PC. Yeah, yeah. It's we we could tell from day one. Even just playing the 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 homecoming mission, like yeah. when you first play Destiny Two, and you could just see the detail in like the fire and everything, like mm-hmm. when the when the tower's on fire and stuff. It's just. It's so incredible, like amazing. Yeah, yeah. My, my hope, and they spoke to this a little bit today about being able to keep up with the pace, not having High Moon and Vicarious Visions and 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 the Activision assets to help them. My hope is that they built some pretty strong relationships with exactly. a lot of those very talented developers over at those two studios. I hope they hire a lot of those guys over and bring them onto Bungie 
because why yeah. wouldn't you? They're familiar with the IP. They're they're they're, they're great uh, uh, coding it's on this they're engine. They're great to work with too. Just like, yeah, they, you could tell they work well, great with them. And so you yeah. you could literally pick and choose and cherry pick. I mean, I have no idea what that contract looks like. I I hope that those those all those employees aren't tied to some kind of a non compete where because it broke off that Bungie's not allowed to try to hire them because you would think that they'd want a lot of those guys. Yeah. Like I'm so excited to see what the moon is going to look like on PC. Yeah. I'm just, Oh my God, a destiny one location, what it's going to look like, how awesome it's going to mm-hmm. look. Um, I'm just, Ooh, I can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the new raid, can you imagine what the new the black raid garden will look like this yeah. one? The black garden. It's going to be so great. Yes. So excited. And also, I'm very excited that there's some monumental changes coming to Destiny that will allow us to play with our friends in a way that we have never experienced before. So if you have friends on platforms where you weren't able to play with them, it's going to be a little different. It's going to Absolutely. Make, they're going to make it easier for you to play with friends. And I think crossplay is coming next. At uh, some I point. I definitely see them doing that in... I'm going to call it in the next 12 months after this fall expansion comes out, we're going to see some form of crossplay. I can see that. Definitely felt like it when, when Call of Duty came out, what now, four days ago and, and made their announcement. It felt like 10 minutes after Bungie announced they were going to do this event. Yeah. Yeah. The dominoes dropped. Yep. Yeah. And it launches right there on the Battle.net launcher right beside I think it's October 25th and cross play and cross save. You had to think in your in the back of your mind, if Call of Duty can p- pull this off with Activision as a publisher and what is it? Uh, um, I, you have to think that Bungie and Destiny are headed that direction. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, you know, and, exactly. and the announcements today for the other side of that with cross save. I, I just can't be more excited. Exactly. And I brought this up the last few podcasts, didn't I, Corn? Especially last week. I said once Call of Duty, once it became crossplay, like that was the big domino. Like there, the, all the other little dominoes are going to start to fall and everything. Mm-hmm. They were the first major AAA game to go full cross crossplay. So I was like, "You watch, it's going to happen very soon, hopefully for Destiny." And yeah, I'm I'm super excited about yeah. the future of Destiny and what they will come up with in terms of allowing us to play together and hoping with Google Stadia that was announced today. We're going to talk Amazing. a lot more about that. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm beyond excited. I'm like a, I'm like a kid at Toys R Us right now. I'm, I'm Rest in on peace. cloud nine. Yeah, Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Now, so about the new season and the new Crown of Sorrows raid, you actually beat that raid. And I actually watched your stream with uh, Clyde nice. before we started podcasting. Yeah. How did you prepare for... The Crown of Sorrows raid. Did you watch? Uh, did you uh, rather use the spreadsheet made by Sweatsicle? So, so I, I was actually on those streams with Sweat and Clyde and 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 all the Redeem members when they were putting those spreadsheets together. Uh, Frank UK, I actually had sent him a spreadsheet that I had used previously. 
um, that that he collaborated with, and 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 all of Redeem, all, all, all the, the Destiny community. You guys know this. We all work together on all this stuff, and 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 Sweat took a lot of people's ideas and 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 concepts, and went in with Clyde live, and and actually practiced it, the uh, the actual tempo of going through, and what activities they could do to come up with the hour on the first character, and an hour on the second, and four hours on the third, and how to optimize, and and what bounties to save, and and, and what uh, what consumables to store up. Um, so so yeah, I participated in all that. But when it when it came time to actually jump in on Tuesday and play, I actually for the first time ever did the exact opposite of of what everybody else was doing. And, and I think I did it purposely because I wanted to experience this um, this season, this 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 part of the annual pass very differently than what I have before. So instead of trying to optimize everything and do everything perfect, um, I instead jumped in on my first character that was my main, instead of dropping in, jumping in on my least favorite, instead of going immediately to the Dreaming City and grabbing the bounties and doing seven of the eight dailies and then doing the Lost Sector and following perfect on the spreadsheet, I instead went immediately to Benedict and, and followed that quest line and went to Ikora and got my, my, my free 690 blues and then went to the barge and, and I started going through milestone by milestone by milestone, every powerful drop that I could possibly find all on one character. And to this point, I have yet to log in on my second character. I've only played on one guy. Um, I played all the way through every single milestone. I got up to, I think, 726, having not touched the raid, having not touched my second character or my third character, not having to have stored any bounties. I didn't have to carry over any pinnacle weapon quest or exotic quest, nothing. Literally just went through the the 70 to 80 powerful drops that were possible with the spider powerful bounty and all the Dreaming City ones, the tier 4 blind well, the, the everything. When the, when the raid was beat by, by Be Bold and Carolina Gamer and Esoteric, I went in and I did the Last Wish raid. I went in and I did the, the Scourge of the Past raid um, and did everything, finished up with the two powerful Ada frames and that armor to where everything was completely exhausted exhausted all my prime engrams everything and then and only then as the very last thing on that character did i step into the new crown of sorrow raid i ended up at 732 on my first character having not touched any other character and that to me is is so far and above uh any power progression system that we've had in a very long time. I know I can very easily now take the weapons from character one, move them over to my second, easily hit 740 plus on my second character, do that in the next day or two, take the weapons on that character and move them over to the third, and there's no way I don't hit 750 on my third character this week, having not had to prep or do anything unique or different other than just playing the game and doing all 80 powerful drops across all three characters. Go do your Shattered Throne, go do your everything, do your 240 powerful drops, and you're right there at 750 in one week. Very cool. I like your system. James, I wish I kind of did with uh, what you did. I, you know, I did that spreadsheet thing. I did the well, the least favorite to the next, and then you know, and it's like I'm on my favorite character. I'm you know still not up to what my third one was and everything. Like yeah, you know, it's just you should be able to play the game you want to play it the mm -hmm. way you want to play it. You know, and it sounds like that's like that was the most enjoyable for you. I do, loved like, it to do every moment of experience it. That. And I think this is going to change a lot in the fall because we're like with all the RPG 
like make things that they're uh putting into the game like how how are we going to like go about leveling up from you know now on because i noticed and i don't know if you guys noticed this in the uh vidoc but i saw the defense of the guardian at mm-hmm. 800 and something they're i think they're bringing like separate values defense and attack and like like it was in d1 but on a much bigger scale Definitely, they talked about like tier twelve builds in the fa- in the past, and how, how how we would really grind to try to come up with this tier twelve build, and they wanted to take something like that that idea and build upon it. I remember they they, they showed the one scene of the uh, artifact and all the progression within just that one artifact that you could level up and unlock all these different perks and and, and take the armors. I, I almost get the feeling that as they describe these more MMO or RPG type elements, that they're going to move towards more of a system to where your, your power level isn't the end-all be-all. They mm-hmm. don't want you to have to play for two weeks to get your power level up to get it to end game. They want you to be able to step in at moment one or within an hour of the new season and in the first patrol area you go to, the first strike, the first raid, going into, did you see elimination they showed for PvP? They want you to feel like everything you do in the game, yeah, everything you do is the end game. And, and that then creating these builds and unlocking these perks, that's the grind. The grind isn't, okay, let's go back and repeat the same activity we've done a thousand times to see if we can't get one powerful drop. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they change Destiny this fall because I'm expecting some massive changes. And I'm talking about forsaken size changes that are going to be coming to Destiny. And this will be the foundation for the future of the game moving forward. Uh, Luke Smith went on record to say that Destiny is an RPG. And they're going to be embracing that element of the game and i'm expecting a lot more depth a lot more depth with our character a lot more depth with our weapons and armor and how you unlock abilities and it's exciting it's going to be a very different destiny this fall Mm -hmm. definitely scary too though because so much of what i love about destiny is what destiny is now and there's so many pitfalls and so many things they could do you know, that are fantastic and great and mesmerizing and make us feel rewarded for all the time we put in. But there's some scary stuff, too. I, I hope they make all the right decisions. I know that they won't. So I hope that when they when they find a path that they go down, that they're like, you know what? We tried. It's a swing and a miss. We missed that. They have the ability to, in a more nimble way, adjust and change uh, and, and recover from those things. And I, and I think that they've shown that more consistently over and over that that when they when they go in a direction that they're like up oh, you know that that wasn't the right way that they're able to recover a lot faster than what we had in the early years of d1 where you might go six to nine months without a whole lot of communication or or, or, or anything new coming out as they're working on that next big thing and we just had to wait yeah and we're going to talk a lot more about what's next in destiny but before we do we're, we are going to wrap up and learn a little bit more about james and I do want to ask you, what is your favorite exotic in Destiny, James? My favorite exotic? Oh gosh, there's so many, so many exotics that stand out to me. I I think that the the Wardcliff Coil, um, throughout Destiny Two at least, has has got to be my favorite. The idea 
of having this rocket launcher that's got this crazy nose and and has all these rockets that come out in all these different directions and 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 hit a boss and do such massive damage and i think part of what makes some of these guns in particular so satisfying for me when i think about a, a thousand voices and certain rocket launchers like this wardcliffe coil is this this concept of really really high risk comes with really really high reward that if you take that wardcliffe coil and you stand way far too back from something you're going to do very little damage to it right because not enough rockets hit and if you get up right on top of it too close you just kill yourself with it and none of the rockets do any damage and so you have to find the sweet spot where you're just close enough to it and when you do and when you have the ability to rapidly fire rocket after rocket after rocket one of the fastest ways possible to kill a spire stars raid boss or a lot of different things in this game is with those those wardcliffe coil shots and those to me are those exotics that just really are magical because you can have a gun that potentially is the the highest dps weapon in the game but also is a very high skill high risk high reward weapon that if you know one guardian just barely steps in front of you a little bit you blow yourself up and you only get one shot off um i love guns like that yeah yeah it makes sense it was funny that was uh we're going to be called the dubious volley if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah if, before it was yep. renamed to Wardcliffe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not know that. That's really interesting. Yep. I think that's a term that goes way back to like D1 days too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Now, James, what advice would you give to Guardians who want to get better at raiding and who want to maybe one day become a Sherpa in Destiny? You know, I, I get this question a lot of, of of how do I become a Sherpa? How do I become a ringer? How, how do I get in there and, and, and help people do these raids? Um, you know, the, the short answer is probably um, by finding, you know, friends that you can commonly raid with and like getting experience in the raid. Um, but the probably more quality answer to that is, is by joining these communities that that love pve that love to do raids that love to do this stuff and within these communities there's a constant influx of guardians that are new that are inexperienced that have never done their first raid before and and we're always looking for help we're always looking for somebody that can lead a raid and bring in a couple of their friends and take some new people through or can join an experienced fire team where we need one more person to come in and if if you want to get better at raiding and you want to aspire to at some point be a sherpa go onto the destiny sherpa subreddit go into that some of these these twitch communities that are all about raiding and helping people get through uh go on to the hundred dot io go find find a community find find friends find a clan uh there's massive clans out there like the dads of destiny that are always looking for helpers to come in and help people get through and and then put yourself out there i want to learn more i want to get in the raids uh, i've already done my raids this week but i want to come in and be a helper i want to lead a raid there are sherpas that will train you on how to be a sherpa and, and there's always people that that need bodies need helpers need somebody to come in and help along that's really great advice yeah. and uh, one thing i can say is don't be afraid to go in and play because if you don't actually experience the encounter you're never going to learn it and the so more true. you do something the better you get you know the very first time i did scourge of the past it was difficult it was very challenging but once you learn the mechanic and once you just you can calm down and don't worry about messing up and just try to understand it. 
Mm-hmm. I think that that's a very good first step, at least, to achieving that and being better at the game in general. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it took us like an hour to do the gauntlet the other day because I, not the gauntlet, I'm sorry, the the vault in uh, Last Wish, because I, I have only read symbols or read whatever is in front of me once before. I've literally just gone around and worked on ads and things like that, helped killed knights and things like that. Um, so I didn't completely understand, you know, so I had to kind of like teach that, had to be taught that on the fly, basically, on, you know, how I should be calling out those symbols to help them decide Antumbra or Penumbra, mm-hmm. which way to go, you know, for that and everything. But that was a learning experience for me. So now when I go back and do that vault, I'm not afraid to get on one of those, like, you know, plates to do that and everything, because now I have an idea. Yep. You know, it's interesting. We talked before about those world's first or or most difficult raids where you get into that encounter and spend six, eight, 10, 18 hours in an individual fight. And for some people, you know, that might not be the most fun experience, but the other side of that coin is that that feels so rewarding to finally accomplish it, knowing blood, sweat, and tears were put into that encounter. When, when it comes time to become a Sherpa and become an expert at a given raid of a fight, an encounter, a position within one, when you go in and you join a fire team of five experienced raiders and you're the, the sixth man in and you clear something on the very first try and everybody does the job and everything goes smooth, I feel like you learn very little from those encounters. Maybe you learn how it's supposed to be done right, but you don't learn how to fix it when everything goes wrong. The best Sherpas in the world, I think, are the ones that have that that patience and that ability to like diagnose not just the problem, but how to coach it. And then how to like recognize the patterns. And when you can go into a boss fight like Leviathan on Prestige and you can spend 18 straight hours in that fight, you get an enormous benefit and that you start to see these patterns that other people maybe have just not spent the hours, the times, the hundreds of runs to know, okay, this ad comes out this door. This ad comes out that door. If I stand here, this makes this ad react differently because I'm standing there. If I stand over here, it reacts differently. So if I coach somebody on this position, I know to have them stand here, aim at that door first to kill that one, aim at that door second. And when it falls apart and they die consistent to the ad, I know I can go over there and say, okay, use your healing rift. This is where you throw the nade. This is what weapon you want to use. This is where you're turning and looking next. And you start to diagnose and break down these fights in such a way that if it's done perfectly and the guardian beside you is carrying the brunt of the weight, I don't know that you ever really see or feel or understand those patterns and how to fix it and how to coach it when it all goes wrong. Yeah, that's really that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, that's and, definitely you know, good advice. I think I think you also feel a much greater sense of accomplishment if something was challenging, as opposed to speeding through something and getting a drop right it feels absolutely special you remember those moments more and you can appreciate those moments more and they help you become better and more confident as a human being right because absolutely. being able to complete something really challenging with a group of five other people and overcoming those optic obstacles it makes you more confident in yourself right it, it makes you believe in yourself more and you become a more confident person every time you do that. And for s- someone like you to be a Sherpa, I mean, you need to develop a huge 
sense of uh, patience in order to get through encounters. And you have to become a leader in the group and teach other people. And, and I'm sure you can apply these things in real life as well. Oh, wholeheartedly. Yeah, definitely. I, I think a huge part of it too is, is how you set expectations, right? Not only for uh, the experienced members of the fire team that maybe are coming in as a helper or a ringer to help you get somebody new through, but the expectations for that ringer, I, I'm very spoiled in that the majority of the the people that come into my fire teams that, that want to learn come from my Twitch channel where they've watched me just coach the previous raid. And there's an expectation there that's already built in that like there's going to be one leader, there, that there's a way of doing call outs, there's a way this is going to go. And, and I think some of my most difficult experiences in the game have come from LFG groups where you know, regardless of whatever requirements they had going in, you get in there and it's almost like there's this competition for who's going to be the alpha, who's in charge, who's going to make the call outs. And well, my fire team has always done this encounter this way. Well, my team has always done it the other way. And then like there's this almost passive aggressive. OK, you know, we're going to we're going to agree to do it this way. But then when half the team is purposely trying to make it fail to prove that their way was better, that can make it really, really difficult to get through an encounter when they're not all pulling the same direction. And I think that that individually, when you start to set expectations for yourself, right, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do this gambit match. And and my expectation is that, that I got a 50-50 chance we're going to win this gambit match. But I'm not going to be upset if we lose because I'm working towards this triumph. I'm unlocking uh, this bounty that I'm doing. I'm going to this crucible match and I need to get this, this daily powerful. I'm working towards this pinnacle weapon. I'm going to go into the raid. I don't expect that we're going to first try every encounter. We're going to laugh and have a good time. I'm going to earn some loot and we're going to teach somebody something new. I feel like there's so many guardians out there that they they set themselves up for failure because they go and they play a, a four hour crucible uh, session and their their hope is that they're going to win every single game. And I don't think that the game is designed to have you win every gambit game or to win every crucible match or go into every raid encounter with brand new people. And, and, and flawless it on the first try, right? And so it makes it very difficult to, 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 to be happy with your playtime if your expectations aren't set appropriately at the beginning. That's really yeah. well said. Yeah, expectations it's, are really important because that yeah. makes you prepared for what you're doing. Like I, I prepared for the day one. I knew that I was going to be in that raid and... I could potentially be doing one encounter for six hours and you have to be okay with that. You have to set those expectations that we're going to come in and we're just going to learn one step at a time. We're going to get better. We're going to figure it out. And eventually we're going to get through this. So I know that uh, we had a pretty big announcement earlier today, not only from Bungie, but also from Google regarding Google Stadia. And I'm curious, James, what are your thoughts on the new Google Stadia and the partnership between Bungie and Google with this new platform? I, I could not be more excited. Like, I saw the announcement that Bungie at 10 a.m. Pacific time today was going to do its what's next. 
And then I saw the announcement that Google at 9 a.m. one hour prior was doing the Google Stadia. And, and, and like everybody, we heard the rumors and the and the leaks. And, and, and to me, there's no coincidence that those things were back to back exactly the way they were. And, and so I had it as my stream title today. I, I had, had the live stream up and ready to go. I was talking about it all morning. Yeah, I could not sleep last night. I was so excited thinking about all the things that Bungie could talk about with the fall and the future and then and then Google and the things that they were coming out with with Stadia. And, and I, I could not have been less impressed with the presentation, with this ability to have this this service um, that that from your your telephone that I can take any controller, including a Google Stadia controller, but any controller and play Destiny 2 on my phone, on my tablet, on my laptop, on my big screen TV, plug a little Chromecast into it, right? And and and, and play at, at 60 frames per second, 4K, HDR. And, and when they when they put up there about the latency and the internet connections, like the, the requirements were not insane. And the ability for Google to, to really capitalize off the fact that they've got servers everywhere i i just I, I have to believe that that most people maybe don't have quite the internet connection to make that latency perfect yet but like this is where we're headed the idea that once every couple years we're going to expect the average consumer across the world to go spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on hardware constantly upgrading their hardware to have the latest greatest playstations and xboxes and gaming pcs when instead like all of that processing can happen in the cloud and when the internet connection's fast enough and we're we're almost there on cell phone connections right we've got this new satellite internet going up we've got people with fiber connections with with latencies that are like one millisecond response time like the idea to have all that hosted there and to be able to to to, to not only only take your game and play it on your phone when you go to work or when you go travel to visit family so you can go check in and see what Zer has and buy it when you're not home when your system is but then this idea that you can at any time anywhere with anyone carry your, your your stuff over and it was almost like they announced it right there on the Google stage right that 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 cross save and 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 all this was going to be right there laid out and just made the the future Bungie announcements that much more exciting. I instantly logged in and right there live on stream bought my 129 Founders Edition. I'll be able to lock down my gamer tag. They're, they're going to send the the, the 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 Chromecast and the the. I, I can't wait to play Destiny on there. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, me me too. I bought it right away as soon as I saw the reveal, and I was actually hanging out in your stream when everything went down i was watching it um at that same time and i pre-ordered right away because it's so exciting i mean think about it we can play destiny 2 anywhere now and you don't need to bring your playstation with you if you're traveling you can literally play on your smartphone like with a little chromecast and a controller it's it's incredible and the opportunities that google is bringing into the gaming space is pretty insane You're, you pay ten dollars a month you get access to a, a wide collection of games and it works you know and i'm sure it's not going to be perfect right away but more and more markets across the u.s are getting 100 meg internet or more so the fact that you only need 35 megs in order to run in 4k that's right. that's pretty cool yeah that's groundbreaking <clears throat> For, I'm I'm usually good on tech and all that stuff, but what exactly is a Chromecast and what does it do? I'm I'm a little like sure. behind 
So, so imagine a, a little uh, dongle, almost looks like a USB uh, drive that you could plug in the back to your or your television, mm-hmm. and and this thing is is got a, a, a just just basic minimal hardware in there because it's tiny, it's the size of a thumb drive that will allow it to run a very basic uh, Google in, uh, operating system and connect okay. through the internet to the cloud, and that way, if you want to. Um, stream Netflix or YouTube or whatever to your television. You can do that through this Chromecast. You can also take your your computer or your tablet or your phone and project whatever's on your phone directly to your TV. So let's say you've got Spotify on your phone and you want to listen to music. You listen to it through your TV, through your speakers, or you got a Netflix TV show, or you've got HBO Go or HBO Now and you want to watch the latest Game of Thrones episode. You you project that to your TV through this this Chromecast. And the idea of having this this larger, almost more puck size Chromecast that then has the ability to connect wirelessly to the remote control and to the internet and then have the hardware that's running all the physics of the game in the cloud and then to be able to play without the need for a graphics card and a and a pc or a playstation or an xbox you don't need the cpu you don't need the solid state drive and so basically your tv your phone your tablet is showing you a tv show and 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 the, and the the hope is the thought is is that you think about these PlayStation players or Xbox players that haven't upgraded to a solid state drive, right? And they're they're not able to be as competitive, maybe, in those very quick speed run, world's first type activities because they hit the button on their controller to go into the menu to switch a weapon, and it takes so long to load those assets. Well, if the assets can be loaded instantly in the cloud because that computer's ten times the gaming PC that I have sitting here in front of me, right? And, and, and then you could play at 4K. You could play at 60 frames per second. You could have instant load, instant everything. Then anybody with very minimal, no hardware required at all, you could use the controller you already have, right? The TV, the phone you already have, that the laptop that just has a Chrome browser and play Destiny at 60 FPS with instant in and out of your menus and everything else. Oh, that's just now, like a, a dream. Ne- next question. Yeah. Um, sorry to take up the airtime right now. Um, but, uh, is, are you going to be able to carry like everything over your, ex- your expansions and everything like that you've, uh, bought in, in destiny yeah. and play that yeah. on your, everything. Everything. everything, everything. So, so what Bungie came out and said, and what Google said what was that you get everything that you, you have, have done on your PlayStation, everything right. you've achieved, everything you've unlocked, everything you did will automatically be on, on, on Google Stadia. Right. And anything that you get on Google Stadia could then be saved there and be taken back to to any other platform, all platforms, complete cross save across the board. And, and you, you can you can take your cell phone and lose it and, and, and log into your Google Stadia account on your tablet. And it's all right there instantly. Nothing saved right. locally. It's all in the cloud. Uh, all, all of it. All of it. And you can play with anybody anywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. Find a Chrome browser and you're in. You do have to purchase that package, though. I'm it didn't sound like it to me. It sounded like yeah. there was a free version of Stadia, maybe very Google-esque. You know, you, you you watch YouTube videos for free, but you'll watch an ad at the beginning of the video. So I think there'll be a, a, a selection of games and things where you can, you know, watch videos and play for free. There was a, a Stadia Pro that was like a $10 a month. I, I, it seemed very similar to me of like a Netflix subscription or a Spotify subscription where, you you know, you'd have this whole selection of TV shows and movies on Netflix that you can you can play for X dollars a month. And, and then and maybe there'll be these other games like a Destiny that then you can play 
purchase through Stadia, no different than you'd purchase them through Steam or through Epic or through the PlayStation Store, the Xbox Store, and then have all of it there. And then if they come out with a new expansion, season number 11, and it's $20 for season 11, some new something, that you can purchase that through Stadia. There may be ways that if you have a certain uh, level of subscription service, like a pro, where you get certain things for free, and there's others where you would you tag on and, and get that directly through Bungie. And you'd buy it on Bungie.net, and it'd be there on Stadia for you ready to go. Yeah, it sounds like you'll be able to get the entire Destiny 2 collection on Google Stadia with that pro subscription, and it's all part of it. You'll be getting the Shadowkeep expansion that will be coming out this mm-hmm. fall, and you'll get everything prior to that, including Forsaken mm-hmm. and the Destiny 2 vanilla content. Yeah, the Founders Edition that I purchased today had the the, the puck like Chromecast. It had the Stadia remote control that that I'm I'm curious to test. I may end up using my Elite controller or my C40 or my Scuff or something else instead, but I want to test it. It had the it sounded like what one year subscription to Pro, the ability to have a three month. Um, that you can give to a friend so they can try it. And then all of the Destiny, everything from the beginning of D2 all the way up through Forsaken, the expansions, the annual pass, including uh, the new Shadow Keep that is, that is coming out, um, all included for the 129 That to me felt like a lot. $60 controller, uh, the Chromecast, I don't know what those go for, $20 plus all the Destiny content plus the subscription for a year. That's a lot of stuff. Wait, so you get the pro subscription for a year, too? I think so. Did I misunderstand that? I think so. Let me take a quick look at that, because I thought it was three months, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was three months. I was thinking you got three months trial to give to a friend. I mean, if you, get it, if you get it for a year, like, that. now that I'm thinking about it, that is a really good deal. That That's because you're paying, like, almost nothing, like, like, for all that other extra stuff, if that's the case. Because, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong... It's ninety nine ninety nine a month and everything if you're getting it like, you know, the Stadia Pro so you can access all those games and everything. You know, it's nine ninety nine a month, which comes out to about what, $120 a year. Okay, so it looks like you actually get three months according to the so Google months. page okay. For the Stadia Founders Edition, you'll get a three-month subscription for yourself, and you'll get one for a friend that you can give to someone else. So that's nice. So thirty dollars worth of Pro because it's ten dollars a month times three months, Mm -hmm. plus what did Bungie announced today? Everything up until now is now forty dollars. So D two and Forsaken and all the expansions and the annual pass is forty. Plus the new, I think they announced was what thirty five. 35. So, yeah. so 40 and 35 plus 30 worth of Pro plus a controller plus the Chromecast still seems like a heck of a deal. Yeah, no, it is. Now, remember one thing. If you stop your subscription to Pro, I believe you lose access to some of that Destiny content, including Shadowkeep and possibly Forsaken. I don't think you get to keep those things if your subscription runs out after three months and you do not renew it for 10 bucks. That would make sense. That would be like not having the PlayStation Network anymore or not having Xbox Live, right? Don't we have to keep those subscriptions up in order to continue to play Destiny? Yeah, because yeah. you got to think, like, you're probably only going to play Destiny, like, on that thing, right? I mean, is there a, any other game that you're looking to play on, on Stadia? 
everything? The, the, the ones they revealed there as part of the reveal stream, several of them looked really good. And, and, and you got to think that, like, their hope is to have everything on there to be the cutting edge. And every new game you can think of that's coming out, they're going to go after and try to have it be on there as well. So it's hard to tell. Yeah, so you have three months, basically, you know, to try out, like, all those other games. And I guess it's cool. I got to see this in, in practice, though. I got to see Digital Foundry do do a video on this and, and yeah. get their get their feedback on it. Because I, I look to Digital Foundry for a lot of their uh, uh, tech analysis on, on, on things and stuff. Because yeah. they're pretty good about over there. Yeah, really and great And it ultimately source. comes back to your own internet connection, right? When you can get your your month free or three months free from a friend, and you can you can hook your PlayStation controller up to it and see what your internet does, depending on how solid your internet connection is and how far away the the closest Google server is. You know, if I make a movement in Destiny, and then I'm watching on my TV screen, and the the character on the screen doesn't move for two seconds, like that's unplayable. But if it is, and, and the way they described it in the reveal was like, okay, you see something on the screen and the length of time that it takes for your brain to process what you saw and then move your finger, that the latency is less than that. It's actually doing the things faster than you can react to it. If, the, if, that, if they can keep that promise for the majority of the consumers, it's going to be a home run. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And just the idea that you can play Destiny across all of your devices, including a tablet. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, Shadow Price bought a PSP so he can play P Destiny 1 or PS Vita. I'm sorry, a PS Vita yeah. so he can play it in portable mode. And now Absolutely. what you're able to do with Stadia is incredible. Now, I'm not sure if you'll be able to take the version of the game that you bought and migrate it over to Stadia if you already bought a copy of Destiny, let's say, on Steam or on Battle.net. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they address that or if you'll have to buy a version of Destiny on their platform in order to access those cloud cloud features. Yeah, we talked about that a lot today. I had a lot of people ask that question. It, it felt to me like there are a lot of people out there that feel like if you buy the game on PlayStation, you should automatically get it for free on Xbox and on Steam and on Stadia and everywhere else. I, I don't know that that actually exists anywhere for any games I can think of unless it's a free game like Fortnite. My thought is is that their, their intention is that if you've spent money on on stuff on, on Battle.net, right, on the, on the Activision, that that stuff is going to migrate to Steam and it's going to all go across for free. So on Steam, you'll have everything that you previously purchased on Battle.net, um, on, on Blizzard. And, and then you can expand that with the new Shadow Keep. But for anything that's on Stadia or Xbox or PlayStation, if you want to cross-save across all the different platforms, you're going to have to buy Destiny on PlayStation. You're going to separately buy Destiny on Xbox. You're going to separately buy Destiny on Steam, the part that you don't have yet if you've already got the earlier parts. And then you're going to buy either a subscription or buy Destiny on Stadia that, that because you buy it at one is not going to give you free on every other platform. That's what I'm wondering the most. Like, what where what is the best optimal like, you know, if you want to play like on Steam and you want to play on PlayStation or whatever, mm -hmm. like with your friends, it's like so you got to buy both versions. Like, if you want to do that, See, I'm guessing. I I understand them charging you separately for the game for Xbox and charging you separately for the game on PlayStation because they are different platforms. I don't necessarily agree with 
them charging you twice on PC. I think that if you purchase something with Stadia, it should be available on Steam and Epic across all across all of your stores because that's one single platform. It was the game was created once on PC, so I don't necessarily think that it would be right to charge a customer two times for the same platform. I think that's where I'm a little iffy on that. I totally understand Xbox and PlayStation. But if I they can see where you're coming PC, from. And you're not the only one that has that opinion. Like people see Stadia that you're playing on a Chrome browser on your computer as being the PC version of the game. I, I think it's not though. I think it's its own completely mm-hmm. separate platform. And so you think about Steam or, or Battle.net being PC where you download the files locally onto that system. You know, uh, Stadia is playing it on your Android phone. It's playing it on your tablet. It's playing it on your television, right? And your television isn't your PC. It's a completely different platform. No different than if six months from now, Apple comes out with Apple Arcade and Destiny's available on Apple Arcade. You can play it on your on your app through your little Apple box, right? That's going to be a different platform if if uh, if Microsoft with with Cloud X comes out. Um, you know, maybe that's considered a different platform than Xbox, but likely those would link together because they're the same, right? If Amazon comes out with a platform and they've got a piece of hardware that you you plug in through your Amazon Kindle or whatever, where you can download and play games there, I would think that would be its own platform. So there's sometimes where I feel like the platforms link, maybe Xbox and, and, and xCloud would be the same. Maybe uh, Sony PlayStation and PlayStation Now would be the same. But maybe maybe this this Stadia because you're playing it on a TV that's not your it's not your PC account right it's a different it's a different account. Oh yeah. okay yeah that's really but interesting. But you can play it in the your Chrome browser though on your PC. You can you can play it anywhere right and that's the yeah. beauty but you're not locked yeah. to just PC you can play it on your phone your tablet your laptop or your television your. But you got to invest in the Google Stadia for that though. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you're you're purchasing the software, at least the subscription to it on a completely different platform. No different than if it was going to be coming to Nintendo, just because Nintendo feels like a PlayStation. You shouldn't get it on PlayStation and Nintendo both for for one cost. You'd have to buy it separately on Nintendo. Yeah, I got I got to see this in practice, like because right now I'm getting a 49 megabyte download, you know, Mm -hmm. so in in. You know, all lessons I should be able to uh, play it in 4K. You know, uh, mm-hmm. to their charts and everything what they're saying. Um, I got it. I got it. I got to see it before I pre-order. Before I put my money down on that, I got to see it first. I got to see how the performance is. Yeah. My thought is this: if if you at your home can stream a 4K movie, a 4K TV show, right? That's all this service is going to be doing. It's taking from the cloud and it's sending a TV show to your television. So, so mm-hmm. the ability to have a download bandwidth capable of that, you can test right now. You know, lo- load up any 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 uh, movie service or TV service and try to stream in 4K to your 4K television. If you can see that, you'll be able to see the game. The more important part is the, the latency lag. between you and that. So when you yeah. push a button on your controller, right, how right. long does that signal of what you did, which, by the way, is very little data to have to send up to the server, right? So it's not about how much data it is. It's how long, what's the ping, what's the latency between your controller and that server to where that server can very quickly 
translate that to make the TV show look different that's being projected and send it back down so you see the, the thing in front of you change. And if that happens with a, you know, some people were telling me today that they've got these Google Fiber connections where they've got a one millisecond ping. Well, I know on my Samsung television I've got in my family room, when I turn on all its bells and whistles and processing and all the stuff and plug my PlayStation into it, that thing has a, a response time that's greatly reduced. And so they encourage you to turn on game mode to turn off all of that because yes. you can actually create latency between your PlayStation and the television, right? Severe latency. Yeah. Well, that's more than the one millisecond. If people have one millisecond ping to the server... That's faster than what my TV can do to my PlayStation. Yeah, That's it's insane. unplayable. Destiny yeah. 2 is unplayable if you don't play it in game mode. If you don't play it in game mode. TV. Yep. 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 Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I'm so excited to see what Google and Bungie can do together with this new platform. It's so new, so we still don't know. We can speculate what it will be and how it will be. We can take their word based on what they're saying in terms of how it will run and it we'll have to wait and see once the game is out and once the platform is available but from what they're saying if all of this is true what they're promising with this platform it's very exciting it's it's game changing yeah and and you know the reality may be maybe for 20 percent of consumers this is initially a home run and maybe for 80% of folks, they live in too rural of an area and they don't have a strong enough internet connection to really live with the promise of Apple Arcade or Google Stadia or PlayStation Now or, or Microsoft xCloud. But at least once these services start to hit and, and the demand is there, you know, people will get more, uh, more excited about upgrades to their internet connections where they're at. And then as these networks build their, their way out and more and more people can go this way, I think it opens up a huge untapped market. I get a lot of people that ask me, you know, why would you ever invest in a PlayStation 5 or in, a, in an Xbox when you could just build a gaming PC and it's so much more fun to play these games on PC? And, and I think people don't realize that there's millions and millions of consumers out there that don't want the headache of installing windows and upgrading hardware and, and 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 their pc crashing and needing a monitor and 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 they just want to have a video game system that plugs into their television and sit on their couch and like this opens it up to to even to the nth degree more so people that could do that from anywhere crazy right. i mean and that thing is is that's a real thing that happens on consoles though too because it's a bill with x80 x86 architecture you know there's mm -hmm. still crashes on the consoles you know it's it's got tech in there from like 2011 it mm -hmm. they're 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 old and outdated that's why the processing speed is so slow on ps4 and xbox one those are old old processors yep i mean and you got to remember a playstation 5 is going to be some something like 500 dollars. you know the google stadia for 129 dollars, you have everything you need to play mm -hmm. a lot of different games and uh, the, I'm curious to see what that subscription will have as far as the game lineup. Yeah, they've talked about xCloud having 3,500 games on it right now for its beta testing. 3,500 games. No idea what Google Stadia is going to come with. Um, I, I think it's interesting, too. There's a lot of people that will try to compare services like this to their high-end gaming PC. Why? Wow, there's no way it can touch. It's. I don't think it has to. I don't think that's... 
I don't think that's the market it's going after. I, you look at millions of people that play on a PS Vita or play on a Nintendo Switch or play on, on low-end gaming hardware because they go to the store and they look at the options and they don't want a $3,000 gaming PC. They want a $150 piece of hardware they can just have fun playing video games with. And when you think about the competition out there for the... What was the one that they, they came out with? The little... Was it a Wii-a? O-U-Y-A? That came out that had Ooh, like yeah. a Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So people brought the crap out of that thing because Officially it was too expensive, <laughs> right? Officially dead. Yep. They shut down the servers just last week. That yep. and there was another one as well. I think when you talk about the low end market, it's it, it's millions of people that will buy inexpensive hardware and then buy a crazy number of accessories for it, right? PlayStation sold for, what, $100 less than Xbox, and that's a big reason why it outperformed. And then they'll go buy extra controllers and remote controls to watch DVDs and Blu-ray discs and because it doesn't have the camera that the Xbox had, right? And then they'll, they'll spend all that extra money. But the perception that it's inexpensive barrier to entry to get in, all kinds of people will sign up for stuff like this and try it out. Yeah, it's going to bring a lot more people to the Destiny franchise, I feel like. Oh my gosh, now, yes. You don't you can't afford an Xbox One? Fine. Go get a Stadia for 129 bucks. I mean, you don't even need that. So it's it's exciting. Absolutely. And then and then you get something like like First Light, which means everybody can play Destiny for free? Are you kidding? The millions of people that can step into our universe? Now people will be able to do that on Steam too, right? That's yep. what it sounds like. Every platform they said it's first light. Am I am I remembering that wrong? I think I PlayStation, think so. Xbox, Steam, Stadia, everybody can come play first light for free. Yeah, Pretty everybody sure. will yeah. be able to play. And from from my understanding, according to the reveal today, it sounds like Battle.net is going to lose Destiny once the new content is out. There's going to be a migration process where you can migrate, but I'm not sure if you'll be able to buy the next piece of content on Battle.net. No, didn't sound like it to me. No, nope, sounds Steam. like you can only buy it on Steam, yep. and it'll no longer be hosted on Battle.net at all. Which makes sense, you know. Bungie's not with Activision anymore, you know, so it's like mm -hmm. no reason for them. To be, I can understand them being there all the way through the end of the the content cycle, which it will be opulence at the end of opulence or the end of the yep. content cycle. Yeah, definitely. So, guys, before we dive into the big Destiny news that was revealed today, I do want to ask James. What's next for you? What can we expect from you in terms of your content, in terms of your Sherpa in Destiny? Sure. So, you know, I, I have traditionally been a full-time Twitch streamer where I will rotate the platform that I play on every single raid. I'll do a PlayStation raid and, and help somebody new get through. I'll flip over to Xbox and do an Xbox raid. I'll flip over to PC and do a PC raid and do that all day long every day. And I think one of the most difficult things for me to come to terms with was as this game changed since Forsaken, the the toll on on myself, on others like me, to have to keep nine players mm. current was was an immensely hard. And the the thought of then adding to that um, the need to have three additional players now have four platforms to have to play on uh, would have been insane without the uh, this exciting new announcement to the cross -save. be able to have cross-save, then I can level up three characters, and no matter what platform I go to, it's there. 
Um, so so I, I think that uh, 99% of my time in the future will be still playing Destiny 2 and playing Destiny 2 on all four of these platforms and playing Destiny 2 with everybody. And as I level up and earn this loot, I'll be able to use it at all systems. And when I level up my first character, he'll be leveled up on every platform to go in and be able to help everybody on all of them. Uh, but along with that, I have within the course of just this last season, um, when we didn't have the new raid and there wasn't as much demand for raiding because so many of the people that in uh, the past traditionally would go through these kind of droughts since the last raid and they would really play the last raid over and over again for months, sometimes close to a year, six months, nine months. And we come up with creative ways to do it. There's been so much to do in the game recently um, that they were chasing triumphs and they were earning pinnacle weapons and they were grinding for unique roles of weapons in the forge or going into reckoning or playing revelry or doing all these other things that there haven't been as many new people that that have wanted to come in and do raids. And so I've kind of evolved a lot of my content in the channel more towards almost podcasting, talking about the game, talking about the future of the game. And, and, and I always want to have that be a part, I think, of my content going forward. You know, having that conversation with an audience, either on my Twitch channel or, or somewhere like you guys podcast now, where you can just talk to people about stuff. Um, but then when I'm playing, I, I plan to be playing more Destiny. I'm, I'm going to touch Borderlands and a lot of other things as they're new and exciting and come out. Um, but the idea of having this cross save has just made my life so much easier. That's a huge burden off your shoulders, I'm sure. Gosh, not, yes. not having to level up 12 characters and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's really monumental for content creators like yourself, where now you don't have to worry about leveling up nine characters on three platforms. Like, yeah. And that was my issue for myself, because I have forsaken for PlayStation 4. I couldn't keep up. It was, mm. it was rough. There's literally too much to do in the game. Which is sure. shocking to say, to hear there yourself is. say out loud, because we used to burn through the content in the first couple weeks and then and then have to find creative different unique things to do. There's literally too much to do in the game. You can't earn every can't. exotic and every catalyst and every triumph and every title <laughs> on one platform, much less all the platforms. And I play all day long every day. I can't keep up. Yeah, you, you can't like do all the raids. You can't do like like Reckoning, Gambit, Crucible, uh, like... <laughs> Uh, like all the like powerful gear things, the the adventures, the the flashpoints. The, I mean, yeah. there's just so much stuff. You're right. Sure. To do in Make the sure game. you unlock yeah. all the forges and all three characters, and then all nine oh characters. God. You know, and it's a good <laughs> problem to have. Forges. I'm not saying it in yeah. a negative way. Like, there's too much to do in a good way. You want there to be a lot of depth of activities, and then to feel like you know that that you can get rewarded. One of the things that, that they didn't announce today that I'm really hoping that they touch on going forward, if I were to think about like that, that that what's what's in the future, I, I really hope you spoke to this a little bit before you think back about those activities like escalation protocol and how we don't really touch those again. Right. And and blind well. And and, and there's so many of these things that are out there, the reckoning. And now, now we've got the menagerie. What if in some future version of a season that we'll be able to buy a la carte. What if 
every season had some update to where you could go back and play Escalation Protocol and there's new armors and weapons there. You go back and play Blind Well and there's new armors and new weapons. You go to the different NPCs at each one of the planets and they have a new armor set and a new weapon set that maybe, you know, refreshes once a month, once a season, maybe once a month or once a week. There's different roles of those that are available. Think about the enormous catalog of content. We saw some of the um, the, the maps from PvP uh, of D1. Imagine if the, the D1 raid bosses and the, the strikes and, and how much content could be brought into the world of Destiny that we're playing now, not instead of new content, because I think 80% of everything needs to be new, but then you've got all this other content that you could add in as well to complement, to then round out the, 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 the weapons, the armors from the beginning of D2, the stuff in D1. Like there's an unlimited amount of stuff that if you refreshed these activities and these vendors, just imagine the overwhelming amount of stuff that we could do that now you only have to do on one platform. And when you earn it on one, you can play it on all of them. There's so many assets yeah. from D1, like not only just like all the spaces, but like all the weapons, all the gear and everything. Like you could bring back like, you know, like uh, Doctrine of Passing, like, you know, mm-hmm. you can bring back like, you know, like Shadow Price and Grim Citizen yeah. and like, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, what was that one? Um, Grim, uh, forgot that one hand cannon from, oh yeah, Lord High Fixer. The Lord, Lord High Fixer. Yeah. You know, just like. All these things, and you could you could give it a fresh coat of D two paint, and you can give it sure. to the vendors and everything like that. You can bring back Event Horizon. You can bring back like like all those like awesome like things from D one. You know, and I know they said that it's not all copy pasta for them because they have to rebuild a lot of these assets and things like that. You know, sure, it's, it's got to be a, a time savings over creating something completely from scratch, brand new, and the concept yeah. of like playing all those old strikes that we know and love. And ran so many times Bogoth, using D2s. Yeah. yeah. Imagine using D2 sandbox and supers and all these new things that are coming, right? With with, with the nades and the melee and the class abilities and the the, the, the the weapons that we have in D2 to be able to play those raid bosses and those strikes. Oh, my God. It'd be amazing. to do like a VOG and Wrath of the Machine right? yeah. like in, in D2. Like yeah. It's 60 frames yeah. and above, like, on PC. Amazing. I Absolutely miss, amazing. I miss the Omnigal Strike, and I really wish they bring back Grasp of yeah. Malak this fall. That would be so, so fun. It could happen. It could absolutely yeah. happen, right? It'd yeah. be pretty fitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of the future of Destiny 2, I think it's a good segue, because we got so much information today where it almost feels overwhelming. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Especially being a Destiny fan. And... The reveal was titled The Next Chapter for Destiny 2. And we learned about so many things. We learned that we're not getting an annual pass this fall. We're actually getting a full-fledged expansion called Destiny 2 Shadowkeep. Still a little salty about that because they named this expansion after Shadow, <laughs> not Corn. Can you imagine yes. if they named it Cornholio Keep? I mean, come right. on. Right. right? This is my Amazing. expansion. It's all his. <laughs> and there is a description for this new expansion, and Bungie writes the following. As the heroes of the last safe city turns their attention to the frontier beyond the protection of the vanguard, new nightmares have emerged from the shadows of our forgotten moon. Called forth by haunting visions from her tormented past, 
Eris Morn has returned and unleashed something that once slumbered beneath the lunar surface, a long dormant power even she cannot control. Return to the moon, journey into a mysterious enemy citadel. Help Eris slay these nightmares before they reach beyond the moon to cast humanity back into an age of darkness. So wow, that's a powerful introduction to what we will be playing and my goodness it's so exciting Eris Morn is coming back finally yeah so so exciting I I knew once the moon was named as the location I knew Eris was was gonna be like front and center again the visuals were just stunning they were amazing to see those glowy eyes of Eris like like uh, it, yeah. it just it, it put tingles it's, on my arms. My my the hairs were all standing straight up. The good tips on the surface of my mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so exciting! And this is the first expansion ever where it's a standalone purchase. You don't need to have Destiny Two in order to enjoy this content. You can buy this as a standalone DLC and jump in with your friends without having Forsaken, without having the annual pass without having the original Destiny 2. And I'm sure you'll be able to download the base version of it when the free version comes out. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next. But uh, we also know this expansion will be available September 17th, 2019. That is three days after another game that's going to be coming out that's pretty big. And that is Borderlands 3. So yeah. that's really interesting. And as we touched on before, we know that this new content will be moving platforms and it won't be epic or will it? It'll no. be what, what do they epically... tease? An epic decision? We had an <laughs> epic decision to make? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, it's to jab. bring Destiny to Steam. Mm -hmm. So... We will be transitioning from Battle.net, from my understanding, this September to Steam. If you already purchased a copy of Destiny 2 on Battle.net, don't worry. You don't have to buy it again. All of your content will seamlessly transfer over to the Steam library. So that's really exciting that they're doing that. And they did also reveal that we'll be getting some new activities this fall including new missions and quests, new destinations and a dungeon, new armor and gear, a new raid. Also, me and Shadow talked about this in terms of what's coming after the fall expansion because there were two versions of the next expansion that were available. There was the base version and also a digital deluxe edition, which also includes a uh, four season passes. They're calling every... DLC a season pass now so you'll be able to purchase these season passes individually or purchase them as a I believe a $25 add-on that gives you four seasonal pieces of content in destiny yeah I'm seeing this now four season passes each offering unique and exclusive activities and rewards yeah so and more so there's mm -hmm. going to be more than what they revealed as well. And there's going to be a collector's edition that is a Bungie Store exclusive. James, did you check out the collector's edition? I did. And you know, I have to say, as much as I love this game, 
I have never been one that like wanted to get all the physical stuff to hang on the wall and the and the books and the statues and the I, I, I tend to gravitate more towards the additions that give me the extra emblems and the extra ornaments for a weapon in the game and the extra that kind of stuff. But man, did this look cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. And the collector's edition is available for 150 bucks. You can buy it on the Bungie store right now. It's available for pre-order. And you'll get a number of things that come with this uh, collector's edition. There is a Hive Cryptarch replica. And in the description it states, follow, the, follow clues in the collector's edition to unlock the Hive Cryptarch and its secret contents. So it almost makes me believe that what you get in that collector's edition will actually help guide you in game and help you solve secrets that help you progress through different things that we'll be doing in destiny this fall wouldn't surprise me at all wasn't that that thing that they did in the past where there was the um what was it mercury that we went to and we had the public event and there was the i'm blinking on the name of it the 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 the, the, the spear that we would throw the big flaming um, spear that we would throw at the, the public events that we used in the story the missions. What's the name of it? The Valkyrie. How yes. can I forget the Valkyrie? Wasn't there a thing where, where the where like these hints and clues, and there was the guardian that found that Valkyrie that was stored like one of three in real life, yeah. and it was like in this tube. Didn't some of those hints come from collector's editions kind of kind of things that were were thin pages and and, and weren't there hints and, and somewhere like that? Yeah. I feel like that was the case. They they yeah. had it actually in both Destiny 1 and in Destiny 2. And I know because me and Shadow Price are a little over the board crazy with Destiny. So we jump in with the Collector's Edition every single time. Yeah. And uh, I know I that Destiny 1, they had a, like, it was like a journal that had clues uh-huh. that helped you in the game to, sure. I forgot what it was. It's been so long. Uh, and then also in Destiny 2, if you guys remember, the, there was a poster of, um, what was it? Was it um, Didn't he give a hint as to like the handles that you pulled in the Leviathan and what order and like weren't there things in the corners of the poster that yeah. like steered towards something? Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, it was, I want to say, was it the Cold Heart or no, 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 it was the Sleeper. It was the yeah. Sleeper Simulant poster. And it had clues that helped you solve the mission. Man, I love that. I really love that they're integrating physical things with the digital items in the game. Because yep. Destiny has such awesome art. There's so so much with the story and, and so much meaning behind all the things in the game. Like, I still remember when we got our like replica strange coin in the Taken King Collector's Edition. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. Man, very very cool. I, I love this one. They've got what, like a a handbook with forty pages of schematics, a a journal with one hundred and sixty pages of additional story content about Eris Morn and mysterious charms and talismans. Like, just imagine the secrets and the hints and the puzzles. And they've got so much content in this collector's edition that could have stuff in it that could tie into to exotic quest lines and to to all kinds of things throughout the game. James, I think you're starting to sell me on this. I was a little bit, <laughs> I was a little bit, uh, you know, leery on it and everything at first because I was like, does this like look like it, you know? And 
you know what's really exciting, guys? The Luna Journal is going to be 160 pages featuring extra story content in the game. That's not a only that, physical that, thing. That cryptoglyph rec- replica, like you said, is going to follow clues to unlock uh, the Hive cryptoglyph and its secret contents mm-hmm. and everything. So already there's like an in-game, like there's a thing that's out of the game that you're going to be able to use in-game. And now I'm almost like tempted like i that i kind of have to do this and everything now you know um and it's, it's just that, that shipping cost like i'm a little annoyed by that i mean it's not 20 bucks it's 17 bucks but still it's ugh. is it is it 17 for you it's 1705 from what i can tell on my end oh wow it's more for me it was like 23 dollars for me the steam version the yeah the steam version of the collector's edition yeah Oh, yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to have to do it. I mean, I am going to I want to get that raid jacket first. Do you I, think it's going to stay on the bungee store or is it going to go anywhere else? Like, is there it says bungee store exclusive. So that kind of leads me to believe that. Yes, it will. I think that the GameStop exclusivity was probably tied into the Activision deal somehow. Yeah, so that's no longer going to be a thing. Plus, yeah. you know, with, with everything happening with GameStop right now, I think that Bungie is moving towards selling their game on their own platform primarily and then, you know, expanding from there. And so I see them selling the physical items in the game on their store, on the Bungie store. So the shipping's going to be kind of a thing we're going to have to deal with unless they change so you get the season pass with this then yeah you also get the season pass you get Mm -hmm. the standard edition of shadow keep you get the season pass and you get all of the physical items as well and uh it's interesting because we can expect that the season pass will be at around 25 dollar value from my understanding because the expansion is 35 and then the the entire package is 60 so that makes the four seasons, a twenty-five dollar. Yeah, because you can get it without the the game. You can get it for eighty-nine ninety-nine, and then with all the stuff is one forty-nine ninety-nine. And if you take the game and add it in, that's thirty-four ninety-nine. There's a difference of twenty-five dollars, so they're valuing yeah. the season pass at twenty-five dollars. And in a way, it kind of almost foreshadows how much content we'll get because Bungie's been really good about selling you at based on the amount of content that you're getting in the game, right? With Rise of Iron, I think that was a $30 expansion. I think we got about $30 worth of content. Um, with the Forsaken expansion, that was 40 and I personally think it was worth more than that, personally. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got a lot of content there. So I'm, I'm thinking that it sets expectations for how much we're getting beyond the Shadow Keep DLC. Yeah, so it's really it's, interesting. Now, now, I, now that I understand it more, yeah. big question for you guys: Which edition of the game will you be picking up? I gotta pick it up on four platforms. So, oh you know, man, you gotta you gotta you gotta put that into it as well. Because I'll be buying it on PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, and on on Stadia. Um, you already got the Stadia version. I got the Stadia version. That one's taken care of. Now I got to buy it on the other three. Yeah. You know, I've had in the past 
where Activision had actually reached out and offered to give me uh, free versions of the game. But the, when they when they offer that to content creators, it comes along with it all this uh, Security Exchange Commission SEC terminology where they make it sound like you have to put hashtag sponsored in your title for like every stream for the next four years. And I actually turned them down because I thought, There's, I'm going to play this game every day. There's no way I can put that in all the streams and constantly have to tell everybody I got it for free. I can tell Product you. Product provided they by Activision. You yeah, know, right? Like, yeah. 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 Um. I, I don't know if, if if I if I get the the collector's edition, I'm not going to buy collectors for all four. I'll buy yeah. it for one. <laughs> I'll get well, the digital download on the other ones probably. Interestingly, you won't even have to buy the collector's edition on any platform. You can just buy the collector's edition items on their own mm-hmm. without having to worry about the game. And it's eighty nine ninety nine for right. that version, and it's available on the Bungie Store for pre order right now. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, and I'm guessing, like, if you were, if they're selling the season pass a la carte, they're bundling this obviously with the collector's edition. How much is each season, like, of content going to be if you're buying it a la carte after Shadowkeep? Right. Are they going to do it at ten? Are they going to do it at seven fifty? Um, what would be that cost? I would think each season would cost a little bit more bought separately than the sum of all of them bought together. I, I love this decision on their part. It's such a huge frustration when you get somebody new that comes that's like, oh, I'd love to get the chance to play with you. And then you have to go through this complicated litany of, well, do you own Forsaken? Do you own the base game? Do you own the annual pass? What part do you own? What are you allowed to play? What aren't you allowed to play? This idea of... If you're in the current season, all you have to have is the current season. It doesn't matter if you skip the one before. I love this idea. I can play with my brother now. My brother <laughs> doesn't need to have mm-hmm. Destiny 2 at all because the game is going free to play in September. He'll be able to play everything from year one. And if he wants to go all the way to up to the end of Forsaken, he just has to pay like 40 bucks if he like likes it and wants to just... Exactly. You know, and he gets all, that, all the annual pass stuff too with it. Yep. And then going forward, each season that comes out in the future, he picks and chooses one season at a time if he wants to get that season or not. Now, quick thing, I did, from my understanding, get that Forsaken will be available for purchase still. It's not going to be part of the free content that you get. You'll be getting Destiny 2 Vanilla, you'll be getting Curse of Osiris, and you'll be getting the Warmind DLC as part of that. But if you want the whole package. package from the beginning of Destiny Two to all the end of the annual pass, it's only going to be forty bucks. Yeah, and for everything. Yep. All together is one. That's an it amazing. Sounds like that's going to be the only way they're going to sell it, right? That is an will amazing. That, yeah. Will that amazing include? Value. Will that include the um, Shadow Keep? No, right? No, no. It doesn't I think everything up to uh, everything so up you get to it. Current yeah. annual pass, all of Forsaken. All of D two, all of all of the DLCs, everything up till today, the season we're in right now, for forty dollars between now and September, and then come September twenty or September seventeenth, they may change what that looks like for the stuff before. Um, but it sounded like that free version, uh, the new light that you get to play, um, would unlock the the play spaces where you could go to Forgotten Shore, you could go to the Dreaming City, but then you could pay a little bit of money to unlock that stuff. And that would bring you current to the new season, and then you could choose to buy whatever new season we're on at that time or not. 
And that was the other really interesting thing, because now, from what Luke Smith said during the uh, video reveal, it sounds like everybody gets access to Tangled Shore, Dreaming City. Yeah. You can go and check it out with your friends. You won't be able to access certain things like the Shattered Throne or, you know, the new raid. But Endgame is going to be the meat and potatoes of Destiny moving forward, and everybody mm -hmm. else can enjoy the rest of the experience. And I, I really like that idea. Yeah, even Gambit be available for everybody. Yeah, Gambit That's for everyone. Cool. Even is if this going to bring Forsaken a lot of people back to the game? Do you think Not this is? I think so. Bring... Absolutely. I think this will bring Destiny back into a lot of people's minds and a lot of people's hands because people can trials. play. It. There's no. There's no cost barrier. There's no friction that. Oh well. I have to pay $20 for Destiny Vanilla and then pay another $40 for Forsaken. It's a very simple economic system now where you get the base game for free. If you really enjoy the content, you can continue your journey for a small fee and you can get new seasonal content and they'll be adding to the game. They won't break the game up like they did with Destiny 2 when they blew up the vault and all of your weapons and everything you've done pretty much was nullified that's not going to be the system they'll be adapting moving forward it's going to be a more inclusive game so they're going to keep building onto it and adding more value to that content that you have so so exciting about all of this information that we got today yeah no more exclusives no more playstation exclusives yeah that and was really interesting right It'll be a yeah, thing of the past come September. And the new the new free content will be called Destiny 2 A New Light. And it'll let you pretty much dive into the game right away. I think they mentioned you'll be getting this new quest or this new intro introductory mission that takes you back to the Cosmodrome. But after that, yeah. you're in the tower, able to roam and explore the game as you wish and play through whatever content you want to play through with your friends, it's going to make the game a lot more inclusive, in my opinion, with this new yeah. system. Not being nine months behind and having to level up to get the, the power level to be able to play the current stuff. Just within a, a few short minutes, you'll be at the tower, and then within a couple hours, you can play through all the different planets and, and have everything unlocked to you, have sufficient power level, that then if you want to purchase the most recent season you can be right in the end game playing with your friends right away yeah yeah and we're also getting strikes we're getting story missions we're getting destinations and as you mentioned we're getting gambit all for free that's insane that is so exciting and yeah. i love the description that they used on their website for this new destiny to a new light well not a new but the, the new packaging of Destiny 2. It states, dive right into the world of Destiny to experience responsive first-person shooter combat. I love, I love them using the word responsive first-person shooter combat because that describes the game so perfectly. And um, it's exciting. I am so excited. And we did talk about Destiny 2 coming to Google Stadia. And it... They referred to it as Destiny 2 The Collection, which that was not mentioned during Bungie's reveal ever in, in that entire reveal that Bungie held. 
they had no mention of Destiny to the collection. So that leads me to believe that in terms of a physical product, we're probably going to get a Destiny 2 collection that includes Forsaken and the new content. I would guess it's going to be a $60 uh, purchase. If you don't get the Founders Edition, you mean? Yes. Yeah. If you don't get the Google Stadia Founders Edition, yeah. you'll be Makes able sense. to... Yeah. Because you'll be able to purchase just Destiny on the free version of Stadia or with Stadia Pro at $10 a month, then you'll purchase you know, a $60. I could totally see that. Makes yeah. sense. And by that point, it would make perfect sense because they're giving you a $40 Forsaken expansion, which will probably get a price drop because let's let's face it. I understand that you know they're giving you a lot right now for 40 bucks, but once the new content is out, the Destiny free version is a free version. Everything before Forsaken is free, so essentially Forsaken is going to have to get a price drop. I would imagine maybe to $29.99, something like that. So at that point, you're getting $65 worth of content for $59.99. That would make perfect sense for them to do. Mm-hmm. And... Bungie, the other interesting thing to me was that Bungie had the very first reveal for that content on Google's stage. Google was the first place that showed off Shadowkeep. All of it. Yeah, all of Mm -hmm. that was first shown off on Google's stage before, right before the reveal of Destiny 2 um, with Bungie. That was really interesting to see that. Absolutely. That that really speaks to the partnership between Google and Bungie and and really wanting to make that announcement sing as one of their flagship IPs that they wanted to announce for Stadia. Bungie gave them a lot to allow them to reveal all that. Yeah. One thing I found pretty interesting, and I think it had to do with the fact that the video content was produced probably beforehand. They did have a little like note that PlayStation was not confirmed yet to include crossplay, but Bungie pretty much confirmed it right after the Google announcement because it said PlayStation is pending some kind of negotiation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah. was pretty interesting to see that during the Google reveal. But yeah, essentially for ten bucks a month, you'll be able to access all of the Destiny content including the shadow keep dlc i would imagine as part of that stadia pro subscription you'll get additional content in destiny as the new seasons progress so it's going to be interesting and you know what else is really interesting if you can play destiny 2 and all the new content on stadia pro well what happens to all of the things that you acquire while you have that subscription once that subscription runs out let's say you buy Stadia Pro, you get access to Shadowkeep. What happens if you do not renew that subscription and you already got weapons and items that were part of Shadowkeep DLC? Do you keep those items? Do they get locked behind a paywall asking you to purchase the content? It's going to be interesting to see how they address that. Yeah, my prediction would be it's very similar to what they already have for, let's say, PlayStation Network. You you go on to your Sony, you play, and you got a PlayStation Network subscription, you earn all kinds of stuff. Your PlayStation Network subscription runs out. It's still all saved there in the cloud. It's ready for you if you ever turn your PlayStation Network back on. 
I bet it's the same for Xbox Live. It'll be the same for for Stadia. It'll be the same for the others. Bungie will keep all that data. It's all there ready for you. It'll cross-save to any other platform you want to log into and play on. But if you want to play on Stadia, you're probably going to have to to sign up for some free service with ads or pro for the $10 a month they have access to to tap in and play. That's interesting. Yeah, that is. And we also got a pretty lengthy Vidoc. I believe mm-hmm. the longest Vidoc that mm-hmm. we've gotten so far from Bungie. It yeah, was about that, 14, 15 minutes in length. Yeah, that was one of the best Vidocs uh, they've ever done, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was, it was really cool to see Luke Smith just get on stage with uh, Mark Noseworthy. And oh, yeah. uh, one thing that I noticed, they were nervous. You could, you, could, you could hear in their voice that they were a little nervous about this one. It was a big moment for them. It was a really, yeah. really huge time for the entire team at Bungie to dive in and give the entire game away for free, essentially. And I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's risky, right? It's, they're taking a big gamble with this. But I think that they're making decisions that are less economic and business decisions, and they're making more decisions based on what will better the game in the long term. And I, I'm, I'm so excited about this. It felt yeah. like a home run to me. It felt like this was them feeling the moment and how massive this was to now be on their own. This is us. This is this is what we want to do. This is our vision. These are our goals for what we want to do going forward. There, there, there's nobody else that we can point to or blame. And, and, and this is exactly what we want to do, how we want to do it. Play with anytime, anyone, anywhere. Like, like it just uh, it, you could you could tell they were they were feeling the moment and how big it was. Yeah, and, and, and Luke Smith, he went on record to say Bungie, for the first time, stands on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have the opportunity to make their own decisions and to be in charge of their own destiny, and that's that's exciting. That is so exciting. And um, one of the devs stated something very profound, in my opinion, and he stated that there are two groups that will decide the future of Destiny going forward, and that's Bungie and the fans. Nobody else will be able to dictate what destiny will be moving forward. And that's so exciting because the people at Bungie, they care about the game. They care about the game more than anybody else will besides the fans, right? So it's it's so exciting to see what they can do with their passion, with their hobby, the game that they created for us and for them. And, and it's exciting. It's an exciting time, and we got to see Datto on the stage. He did some uh, interviewing as well during the video reveal, so that was really cool for them to use members from the community to help celebrate this big moment for them. Yeah, I think that was a a genuine Vidoc, too. It wasn't like, yeah, they were building hype, but they were also being very, very, like, you know, sincere, like telling people where you know the direction of this game is going that we we we're listening to the fans we we want to give uh destiny to everybody we want everybody to enjoy this game and everything and we're we're building it the way we're building it for the fans and everything you know and it's and it just just all the dives all the like 
different things that they showed in their studio, you know, to all their like at, at people's terminals and what they were working on. And it was just a very intimate video and it was really well put together. And Dado just did a fantastic job, you know, as much as I love Deej and, and his antics and he's so much fun to watch. You always have the feeling when Deej is leading these conversations that he knows what questions he's allowed to ask. He knows what questions he, he has to skirt and he can't go down. Twitch chat during these will just go wild with, with, with wanting him to ask stuff that you know he's not going to acknowledge and he's not going to talk about. And so bringing in an outside member of the community like Dado that was able to ask some of these these difficult questions. questions. Yeah. yeah, that we all were begging to, to ask and then to, to use the word trials of Osiris. But what about trials? And, and like, give us a date. When is it coming? When is it coming? Like, like I, I think that's what we wanted to hear asked and answered. And, and I was glad that Dada was able to ask all those, even, even the ones that they didn't give uh, immediate perfect, okay, here's the date. I felt like they said... Throughout all that, PvP, 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 like like a thousand times they said PvP, we need to do more PvP, we know we didn't do enough PvP, we want to do a whole bunch more PvP, and, and it definitely felt like trials and elimination and that stuff is, is definitely coming, we still don't have the date, but I felt much better after watching that, that whole um, stream that PvP is much more forefront in their minds than what it had been in the past. Do you like PvP, James? You know, at times, I've absolutely loved it. Um, going in uh, in D1 as a blinking hunter with with a with a shotgun. Blade Dancer. And, and yes. Yeah, Blade Dancer. Oh, my God. I, you that know, was all. I, I loved it. I absolutely Me loved too. it. The, the oh thorn God. meta, using my Vex Mythoclast. Like, the, the, there, there, were, there were times at which PvP was, uh, you know, I, I've always been a PvE guy. Doing raids, doing strikes, doing PvE has always been my favorite. But as a distraction, as something to do on the side, especially during the lulls, I enjoy the PvP. But I, I think I come at it from the opposite direction of a lot of the Guardians that that is their love and their home. They they oftentimes get frustrated when there's overpowered things in the game and they want this, this idea of balance and they want it to be more competitive and they want to get their two hand cannon shots in the head when they've got their perk procced. Um, when you, if you get two uh, headshots or two bodies, like like they've outperformed you. And for me, like I come out of the opposite direction. I, I I like it when there's new overpowered things that I can I can I can go into PvP. I can get annihilated by something, right? I'm like, what the hell was that? I investigate and I and I inspect that guardian. I look to see he's got that outbreak perfected gun. Well, I gotta go get that gun. I, I he killed that me so fast with that. And so I go find where it is in the game to get my grasp of Malak or to get my whatever it is, my my, my uh, hopscotch pilgrim, so that mm. I can take it into PvP yeah. and have a blast with it. That's what I've always loved about it is having overpowered loot that you can grind for and get an advantage. You can carry it into PvP. You get your your several months that you get to play with it and be overpowered and feel like you got a great role and a great weapon and you, you figured out this super and this ability and this that, that this perk and this mod and then the sandbox evolves on a regular basis where now you're in a new season and there's new overpowered things that you can chase for and get and have fun and play with. To me, the idea of a balanced crucible where like every gun is equal would be boring. boring. I would never play Very it at boring. all. It was D. It was D two. It was the yeah. beginning of D two. It's boring it was, as hell. It was so boring. Like it was just like it was team shot meta. Team shot like mm -hmm. holding hands, holding butts. Like you know, it was like it was just hand on one gun, hand on the gun, and hand on the butt. 
you know, and that that's how, yeah. like how it was. I liked the analogy that Luke gave. Like it's like we're we're you know we're at the building block. We're building the foundation back up. Yep. We're, we're applying the you know we're applying the, the beginning part. You know before we we put on the outer layer and everything. We're 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 starting at the foundation. We're building it back up. You know. Yep. So it's like it's about build. It's like building a house, and we're we're getting there. So it's nice that they're like showing emphasis on you know this is where we're going to improve and everything yeah and they're building a destiny for all players not only for crucible players not only for pve players but for all of us for the people who love destiny and i'm very excited about that and it was interesting that they actually touched on this but this season with the season of opulence i feel like this is the first time where the synergy between crucible and pve like the raid you're tying mm-hmm. in a lot more than before. For example, if you tried using the mountaintop for that last boss encounter yes. in the new raid, oh my god, it is deadly. It is lethal. And I think Bungie even mentioned something uh, along those lines in their video reveal that you should check out the mountaintop. You know, they're excited yeah. to see people using pinnacle weapons from Crucible that you would think would apply to Crucible, but in raids. And it's awesome. I love that meta. I love that synergy. And even with the whole thing about nerfs, I mean, weeks before the, the new content was out, they, they got a lot of heat, right? I mean, even we were a bit critical of the weapon changes, but I'm more okay with it now, you know? And I think uh, you were talking about that on, on the podcast that you were on um, earlier last week, James, mm-hmm. about the Whisper getting nerfed and about yeah. Luna's Howl. A lot of people were upset, but it's like playing a game that stays the same with the same meta, it's boring, right? You want the game to change. You want to be using different things. You don't want to use a bad omens every freaking time that you kill Riven. I'd love to be able to use something else like the Outbreak Perfected, you know? Like the Scourge of the Past raid is a perfect example of this because we went in with the Outbreak Perfected we were able to melt the boss in one damage phase with a so primary weapon. Like, that's so exciting to me. So, so exciting. Without and a doubt. I, I I want there to be these strong, overpowered, really fun guns to use in the game, right? I want Whisper to be really strong when it comes out. And it was. It was so enormously strong. The mission to get the Whisper was so great. Getting, getting to play with the Whisper was so good. But the idea of going forward for the next 24 months and having the Whisper be the best gun for every strike boss, the best gun for every raid boss, where we go into to season number 10 and season number 11 and season number 12 and we hit that new raid and we're like okay what what what, what gun are we gonna use oh we're gonna use the whisper again the whisper's still the best like that would bore me to thought that okay we're always gonna use the same hand cannon we're always gonna use the same achelia shotgun we're always gonna use the same exotic exotic power weapon the whisper like 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 you want the sandbox to change and evolve and you want new things to come out that are even stronger than those and sometimes that means some of our favorite archetypes of weapons those classes are going to 
to come down a little bit in the sandbox, and then other archetypes maybe are going to stand up so that there could be that doctrine of passing pinnacle weapon in PvP that comes back where you've got this bullet hose of, of an auto rifle, right? And, and you've been using your hand cannon. You're not forgotten. That's like the best thing to use. That's all you're going to ever use. But in the not forgotten stayed the highest TTK, the highest time to kill damage weapon, the fastest, best thing to use for forever, then that's all you'd ever want to use. You go into every new season and that'd be the only gun, right? If that comes down a little bit and then there's this new archetype, these high rate of fire auto rifles that all of a sudden for, for season number number 10 or or, or, or or the best and fastest and then there's this new doctrine of passing that is the best pinnacle weapon of that you want to chase after and get that new loot that fun thing to go get to be rewarded for because once you get that it's going to be the top tier weapon to use i totally agree with you i think it prevents the game from getting stale and it sounds like they are going to like go in that route more that they're going to be updating it more frequently updating the sandbox and everything mm-hmm. is, you know they knew it was a uh, too long of a time before they had touched the sandbox you know like previously and everything absolutely and i thought it was really funny where at the end when datto was was back with luke to bring it all back full circle and Dado was asking those tough questions about trials and about PvP. And Dado tried to make that 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 kind of funny, but you know, also hard hitting at the same time about how you know you guys haven't done anything for PvP, and we've gotten like these these couple pinnacle weapons, and almost made it sound like the you know, pinnacle weapons were crap, and like 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 this wasn't anything. He didn't say it that bad, but you could get this feel from the look on his face that like they were underwhelming. That that Luke gave it right back to him was like, hmm, you know that that's kind of strange because you know I'm thinking about this this world's first race that you were just in and i'm thinking about a lot of those top teams that 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 that, that got up there and what weapons they were using boy it sure seemed like those uh those pvp pinnacle weapons like a mountaintop and a recluse those were some of the the weapons we saw every single one of the teams using so uh you must have liked them pretty good yeah i've been using my recluse everywhere menagerie i was using it in the counters in the raid um i just but i mean you know and i was using the mountaintop for that uh that encounter before the final one uh, on the witches and everything. So, um, yeah, it's it's really cool. But, yeah, they can do so much more with PvP, and it looks like they will be. See, I was using the 1K on the, on the witches, and I was using the uh, Ikelos shotgun. Yeah, I was using both. But, yeah. like, it just, like, it depended on how close I was. Like, if I was kind of far, I was using Mountaintop. If I was closer, I was using 1K because you could melt it, the, clo- the witches the closer you were to it. Like, if you got that direct hit, you could get it down in almost one yeah. shot. And, you know, I think they, I think Bungie set the tone really well for this next expansion that will be coming out this fall. And I'm so excited. They literally stated that this new expansion will have a darker and more psychological tone. It's yeah. going to have an updated context where it's not just about the hive, but it's something scary. There's going to be a very scary tone, a sense of urgency for you as a guardian. I'm so excited about that. And they also stated nightmares and manifestations from a guardian's past resurrected from the darkness. That's that's exciting. Mm -hmm. So, so exciting. Visuals they showed looked amazing. And it's not that like going into a, a Gambit Prime match and having the the screeb and the, the scorn coming after you to blow up on you isn't scary, but it, it, it's more scary in a, oh crap, I'm going to die. Not in that dark, spooky, 
you know, you watch people play these these uh, video games where they jump out of their seat. Like like the idea of having some some enemies and some strikes and some story missions and some stuff that really has some some meat and potatoes to it like that. Mm, it looks good. Yeah, the dark overtones like, you know, that will be sounds like will be with this uh, expansion. How many times do they say dark below? Something oh. more scary in the dark below. Yeah, Eris said it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Once we went down to that pit for the first time and everything for Crota's end, and we were yeah. in we were in the pit like it was. I think it was referred to the pit before it was called the stills. We called mm-hmm. it the pit. That's what we called mm-hmm. it. And it was just that was a really cool cool space and everything with the lanterns and being in the dark and everything most of the time. And I feel like we're going towards that, but raised up to the next level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and and when they started talking about the the new raid and the black garden, and that we were oh, thinking about yeah. all the different areas and what could be the best possible places. Like if you could go anywhere, where would you want that, that raid to be? Oh man, the chills in my arms and the, the thought of going back to the black garden, going back to the moon you know the the enemies that are there something that's scary below and when they when they showed that 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 uh boss in, in the video uh I just I, I'm so excited to play it I can't wait yeah and it sounds like we're going to be seeing a return of bosses from the past mm-hmm. imagine being able to fight crota again and fight yep. atheon again and so many bosses that mean so much to us because we accomplished these what things about we beat those bosses Sepics? But did you see Suffix yeah. at all? Is, you think he might be there? I would I would really love for to see him come back because Suffix, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my favorite strike. The Suffix and Suffix Prime, Suffix Perfected. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would be amazing. And right off the bat, Luke Smith said, We're an RPG. We're going to embrace that more than ever before. We are now an RPG. They've never come out and said that on record. Or even MMO, like he was saying, like we're an MMO, basically now. Like they've always like shied away from that term. They said, and everything, because of the connotation that goes with it, you know. Um, and so. what do you guys think about the weapon mods and the armor perks that they showed off for the Shadowkeep uh, expansion? I think it's awesome. I think having more customization, having it more, be more RPG focused. And have, being able to create builds and mid-maxing and like looks like possible some sort of uh, what is that? Uh, I forgot the word. Um, the the thing you can do in MMOs to make yourself like look like you know you can put the transmog. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It looks like looks like a form of transmog. Yeah, find find an armor set that you like the look of, and instead mm-hmm. of having to choose between okay, here's an armor set that looks like average crap. I mean, take take your take your description. But it's got, it's got good got perks. Great on perks. It. Exactly. And here's this other armor set that's brand new that looks great, but it doesn't have the perks. It doesn't have good perks. You're stuck you're having to use it. the one that has the perks, right? That, yeah. that actually works well. Now to have the perks separated some some degree, right, and be able mm-hmm. to pick and choose what perks and to put it on whatever look you want, put it on your favorite look. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. There was so much depth to some of the character screens that you saw with the new mm-hmm. season. 
it looks like there's going to be a lot more customization. And I think the Chalice of Opulence this season is just a preview of what we'll be getting with the next season. I think it's going to be a lot more in-depth, a lot more detailed, a lot more MMORPG heavy. And I'm you think they're going so to rework the skill trees? That. You think they'll rework, rework, Absolutely. rework Absolutely. the skill trees? No doubt. Yeah. No mm -hmm. doubt. Yeah. I, like I would that. be surprised if they didn't, honestly. I would like more mm -hmm. customization and subclass skill trees like we had in D1. Yep. Everything. And guys, finishing moves are coming to Destiny. Oh my gosh. Wow. Dude, the Titan pulling his hand back and looking at his hand and then pushing that thing forward and the, 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 the hunter spinning around with the knives and that those Mortal Kombat looking finishing moves. That's going to be so much fun in Strikes and Raids and Nightfalls and yeah. I, I, PvP. Yeah. Didn't Zavala do that move in the trailer um, for uh, D2 when it was revealed at the uh, yeah. D2 reveal event? He did that like jump, pullback, punch thing mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah, that was pretty cool. When he wasn't hiding in his bubble, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, my only hope with the um, finishing moves is that they don't make them as part of the Eververse. I, re I hope it's part of the game itself and not part of any kind of microtransactions. I'm like thinking that. that's something you unlock in your skill tree. I guess I hope so. You, you would sure hope so. Like if that yeah. is, is is equivalent to an emote that then you have to purchase through, you know, I don't mind it when it's the bright dust and I feel like just playing the game, I get so many level ups and so many ghosts and ships and, and, and uh, um, things I can delete, dismantle and get all that free bright dust anyway that buy like I, if I can earn my way to it but but the stuff that's in silver I feel like the best way to do that is to have new things that come out maybe be initially in silver but then over time for everybody to know everything that was in silver for a bit is going to be uh over into uh being able to buy with bright dust or anything yeah that would be a really really interesting change and I think that would create a better balance between, you know, we're going to give everybody access to this stuff in-game, but for a brief, brief period of time, you're going to get that from microtransactions. So if you want to support the game, you can. And also, if you guys noticed, the Eververse now has mostly direct purchases. We still have engrams. I did notice that. But for the most part, you buy everything directly. You can buy a full set of hunter armor, warlock armor, and uh, it's it's less grindy and it's more of a predictable purchase where you know what you're getting. And I really like that. Yeah. I think that's the right way to go about it, direct purchase. Yeah. You're supporting developer like directly and, and everything. And, and you know, I also found it very interesting that they actually showed off exotic weapons and the development of them in that by doc and that was really interesting i don't know if they ever really went and showed off the exotics like that yeah it was really cool they showed off a uh exotic trace rifle that mm -hmm. creates uh a, crit a spot. huge crit spot right a yeah. crit spot all over the whole yeah then yeah. we're getting our, our very first hand cannon with a scope and with the sight, it reminded bolts? me. Yeah. It reminded me of a Borderlands weapon, but destined, sure. destined, destinyized. Yeah. A sniper know? rifle placed in a hand cannon. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what that's where Bungie's headed, man. Yeah. These guns mm -hmm. are going to become more interesting with them being more RPG. 
And I know Shadow Price, being a big Crucible fan, he will really appreciate the renowned focus on PvP and Crucible Labs coming back with new modes, with modes from the past. That's really exciting too. They're bringing back Crucible Labs. They did mention that no trials will be coming in Shadowkeep. And that was mm -hmm. uh, confirmed by Luke Smith. But it sounds like they're building the foundation for Crucible with Shadowkeep. I wouldn't be surprised if whatever season after Shadowkeep comes out, maybe in December, that will probably reintroduce the Trials of Osiris back Here's your early Christmas present. Uh, guardians trials yeah, trials oh man Returns. that would be so amazing and the other really interesting thing for me about this reveal was that you can play the end game content from the start which is very different with how they've done previous expansions in the game you would have to grind a substantial amount before you can even access the raid yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. I, I saw a lot of people comment in my community that they felt like that would take something away from the game because they really enjoy uh, the the grind to level up and to power up. And, and, and Guardians don't want to feel like they lose that. And I think it's really, really important that um, as we go into the new, more MMO, more RPG type um leveling up perks and trees and builds and those kind of things that everybody has that real feel that that you're rewarded for your time and the grind is there it's just a grind for not a, a power level it's a grind for something that is ultimately significantly more meaningful yeah and it's so exciting i think that today was a really monumental day for destiny as a franchise and for bungie as a company and this is just the beginning for so many big changes that are coming to Destiny. The way we play the raid. Like, I think the next expansion and the way that we get ready for the next raid, it's going to be very, very different from what we experienced before. And it's exciting. I think. It's, it's exciting to not have to endlessly grind out bounties to try to prep for days and weeks to, to get ready for this new content because i mean we spent a considerable amount of time weeks before opulence came out just to make sure all three characters were ready for this new content we saved up a ton of bounties i had the allegiance quest that i had to do on two alt characters to get all that ready i had pinnacle weapons saved up i mean i haven't even started playing on my hunter and i still have all of these things saved up in the game and uh it, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this changes how the meta changes how we get ready for the end game content yeah this was a big day for bungie i mean you saw the tweet storm from yesterday leading up to today and everything like wanting so many eyes on this you know like they were really proud of this moment yeah. and everything to announce these things today like you know this is where bungie's going and this is what we have to offer our players and everything. This is what you have to expect of Destiny going forward. Yeah, everything before Forsaken will be free starting September 17th. Gambit will be free to all players. And they're introducing cross-save, which is something we wanted for the longest time. You can play with all of your friends now. There's no barrier. You don't have to grind out nine 
characters because you want to play Destiny on multiple platforms. So for individuals like James, it's 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 a big it's a big deal. Amazing difference. Us. I mean, so it's gonna be so great to have all of your triumphs, all of your weapons, all of your armor, all of your more in-depth builds that you've built, and then no matter what platform you want to log on there, it's it's still all sitting there waiting for you to play everywhere. It's going to be really, really cool. And we always knew Bungie was capable of this because like, it was in their code. Like It's yeah. in there. Every time you log on, everything with your character on all platforms, like if you play on PC, you play on playstation all the way up to this point it's like your stuff is there on their servers and you log in it's there so it's like we knew they were capable of this we knew we just had to wait for that big domino to fall and everything and just a week later confirmed yeah and and the other thing during the vidoc they did state that this is a game that's no longer built and dictated based on financial decisions or based on business decisions they're allowing their creative expression to shine and they're going to build a game that's the best for their players. And I am so excited about that. You know, not too many companies go out and do this and it's risky, right? Because they don't know, will this be successful? Will it not? I mean, it's, it's a big financial gamble, right? But boy, is it exciting as a fan to see them put so much love and care into this game and to really make this into a game that we all can love and enjoy. And that's really exciting for me. Absolutely. So is there anything else that uh, spoke to you guys in terms of the, the Vidoc that was revealed earlier today? The, the repeating over and over about PVP to me was huge. And, and the one thing that stood out to me was that every time they said PvP, it seemed like they were always saying labs and crucible labs. And, and it felt like to me in the past, crucible labs was like this little one-off, um, like limited time mode to test some new feature. But it almost feels like the future of PvP is more, more tied to like everything PvP is crucible labs. And if that means like not only like a renewed focus, and I think they've really pointed to that, but like a renewed focus and then an experimentation to always have these limited time modes and experiments and these new maps, and they showed the maps that are returning. And the, Widow's Court. The, the so so yes. great. So great. I think that's such a good thing. Good thing for the game. I love Widow's Court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was excited. So, so exciting. That's one of my favorite Crucible maps as well. So it'll be really really interesting to see what they come up with for the fall expansion so wow we we talked about a lot of things today and we also had a uh, bungee weekly update now james i know we went a bit over our time limit it's uh, about two hours and 45 minutes if you have another 10 15 minutes we can do the weekly Good. update. yeah segment. let's cover the twab for yeah, sure let's talk about the twab and it's going to be a little redundant because we already talked about a lot of the things that they mentioned. They did note that Shadowkeep is coming. They they also talked about Eris Morn returning and calling upon our Guardian to return to the moon and challenge nightmares from their past. That's powerful. We're going to return and we're going to fight nightmares from our past. What can this mean? I saw Skolas. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I felt like in addition to nightmares being uh, the bosses, right, and and the things that we were scared of, and the things that were so so huge and bigger than life, I also feel like there's going to be a new enemy type that's a nightmarish type enemy. They Maybe showed an enemy called nightmares. Yeah, they showed we're going to fight this 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 enemy that's going to be completely different than what we've seen before. Yeah, you got a now, quick glimpse of it. Do you do mm-hmm. you guys think that these nightmares will be part of? an endgame activity or will it be part of the raid itself i kind of felt like all the above like a a patrol space uh, um, a public event uh, heroic adventures strikes raid it it, it felt like like all that stuff was going to be there what did you guys think yeah crota looks like he was down in like some sort of pit and everything Mm -hmm. like kind of like in a cave or whatever from what you could tell in that like whatever that nightmare version of Crota was and everything. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah. See Crota. And my feeling about it is that we're probably going to get go back and fight the previous bosses in the raid, but then the final boss will be the boss that controls those big bosses that we fought. Something brought those nightmares back right mm-hmm. so it would make sense that the ultimate boss fight that culminates the new raid is going to be something else we don't know what it is maybe Quoria, uh maybe savathun i think savathun has some sort of tie like i mean because sounds i mean we're it's in the moon and there's gonna be a bunch of hive there still because that's there's a bunch of hives still there, you know, and they've reshaped some of the things in there. And I mean, whatever these nightmares are and whatever faction of these new enemies are in the Shadow Keep in that big fortress and everything. Um, I think it has something to do probably with Savathun because I think it's going to set up for what's going to happen next year and everything. You know, like each each thing is going to set up the next like um, season, I bet. Kind of like what it's going to do, I bet. I think you're totally right about that. Yeah. And so. they they did also touch on Destiny 2 New Light being available for free to all players. Destiny did you 2... see the graphic? The graphic they put on there? It's Cade. Uh, Cade! Yeah. And Ikora! And Zavala! Yeah, yeah, Cade. yeah. I did see that. Play for free. Destiny New uh-huh. Light. Yep, Cade and yep, the Hunter, the Vanguard. Mm-hmm. The Vanguard. Yeah. Cade front and center. Rest in peace. Pull at those heartstrings. And Gambit is free, I think. Yeah. yeah. And Gambit, which which was previously only available to Forsaken owners. Mm-hmm. Now everybody will be able to enjoy Gambit, which I think that's a really good thing. You know, if you think about it, these are changes that add to the player base right Mm -hmm. you are able to play crucible with friends now with more people you can play strikes there's 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 going to be an influx in the destiny population so so much more people will be playing the game now and that's so exciting and they'll be able to experience the story of Cade six and 
able to fight alongside with all of us. Mm-hmm. It's it's really really cool. And we did also learn that Destiny Two on Google Stadia and Steam this fall, so that's exciting. Uh, Epic Game Store will not be getting Destiny. I know we talked about this for a few weeks now, whether or not Bungie would make the decision to go to Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. I I think they learned from the mistake of the partnership with PlayStation, Sony, in the long mm-hmm. run. I don't think it benefited them. It, it hurt them because people don't like when companies make decisions based on business that hurt them as player. And I think that the PlayStation exclusivity very much hurt a good chunk of the community. If you weren't on PlayStation, you didn't get to experience some pretty cool things. And the length of time those exclusivities were in place were extreme. In some cases, two years before you got to experience the weapon, by which point it's outdated, it's irrelevant. You can't even use it as a viable option in the game. I think Steam is definitely the popular choice, right? Almost everybody plays on Steam. It's a huge amount of, of, of games available on there. You've got friends lists on Steam of other people you've played with. When you when you have to look at the possibility of them, I hope, negotiating with uh, uh, Blizzard or Battle.net or Activision to keep it there, and, and they look at putting it on Epic or Steam or building their own launcher or maybe branching out and putting it on somewhere like a like a Discord or a, a Streamlabs or I'm sure there's a lot of places you could look at, you know, and you, you hear about these numbers like maybe Discord takes 10% and Epic takes 12% and Steam takes 30%. I, I hope that they were able to to bring a strong enough negotiating position that that even though they choose to go with a a store like Steam, that there's a lot of benefits and you know uh, a build out that comes with that, a lot of features that Steam offers. But I hope they were also able to negotiate a very fair percentage because the thought that had they been able to sell it on Discord and only have to pay Discord ten percent, or sell it on Steam and maybe have to pay Steam thirty percent, that's a lot of potential profit that could have gone towards paying the developers to make good content. So hopefully they could negotiate at a really fair rate uh, along the way. Do you think that was negotiable? Possibly. God, I hope so. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like Steam was always 70-30 with everybody and that Epic has taken enough of a nip and Discord and others are giving these competitive places that Steam is having to renegotiate a lot of those contracts for existing IP that's on there and maybe having to look at it fresh for new ones coming in. And maybe it's market share based or number of, of player base that you know, if you're if you're a, a brand new indie and you've got very few people that you know are going to pre-purchase or play, maybe you're stuck at seventy thirty to start. But if you're an existing franchise like Destiny and have the potential to have millions of copies sold, maybe you can negotiate fifteen percent or twelve percent or ten percent right out the gate. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bungie is the biggest indie studio in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So you would think they have some negotiating power to say, look, this is the game that we're building. These are the deals that were brought to us and we would like to go to Steam, but give us a more fair percentage so that we can create more content and exist as a company because 30% is a lot. 
Yeah, that's Absolutely. a lot. That's a lot. Leave it on the table. A lot of money. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they're going to give you a hundred million dollars to help you develop the franchise, and they're going to they're going to provide servers for you, and they're going to provide voice chat, and they're going to help you design crossplay and cross save. I mean, you got to figure that when the Epic Game Store, you know, does the twelve percent, you know, they're they're giving you the engine for free, right? And, and if you use the the Unreal Engine. Like, like, like you don't have to pay the 6% for that. That's already built in. They're, they're helping the, the, the studios that bring products onto that Epic game store with cross play and cross save and, 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 and all of that stuff. You're hoping that, that, you know, if, if steam isn't providing all those services, um, to destiny, cause destiny already has that Bungie already has that, um, that then that, that could be negotiated that some of those percentages that maybe they're offering other platforms that are, or other intellectual properties that are smaller than destiny. Um, maybe, maybe the Bungie doesn't have to pay for those percentages. Yeah. that's a really good point. I, I wonder how much of the servers are being used up in terms of steam providing any kind of server space to Bungie because Bungie has the infrastructure built out. They have all the servers, you know, and when you download updates to the game, you can download them directly. Although you do need to use the Battle.net client. So I'm wondering if that will remain the same where you have to update the Steam client now in order to access the content. I bet so. I bet all the updates will come through the Steam client. But I'm sure that you can click on the, the Destiny icon on your desktop to launch it. Or you could click on the Steam if you want to use the the friend connections and the other stuff that Steam offers. Yeah. And during the weekly update, we also learned about the world's first race for the Crown of Sorrow raid. And uh, Carolina Gamer... Mm -hmm. uh, team were the ones who completed the raid and uh shadow price do you want to read out what carolina gamer stated during the weekly update about the? yeah uh, sure yeah carolina gamer uh team be bold they go on uh, carolina gamer goes on to say world's first a title that means more than most people can imagine to me i've played destiny since launch and i've had the privilege of meeting and making friends for life some of these friends are my clan, clan mates, the guys that I've been through a lot with. We've all been in the top 10 raid race finishes before, but we finally did it with Crown of Sorrow. I'd like to say thank you to my amazing teammates who put up with the sound of me munching on various snacks for the entirety of raid day, to the amazing teams at Bungie for creating an incredible experience for everyone who plays, and to the awesome community for cheering us on and believing in us. That's... Uh, a really profound statement and like i i can it's very relatable even though we've never gotten world's first before but there we've made so many friends playing this game and everything yeah. and that's really absolutely really cool cg is just one of these amazing human beings i've i've had the opportunity to meet him in person um to hang out with him to to, to play the game with him on many different occasions he will absolutely go out of his way to help people um, he'll he'll jump into raids, even though he's got this ability to be, you know, a world record holder for speed run or 
world's first title, he'll jump into a raid that takes two or three hours and be patient to help somebody new get through. Um, he's created Discord servers to help people get to 2100 and, and get a pinnacle weapon like a recluse. He's just one of these amazing individuals that's one of the best the community has to offer. And his entire clan, um, you know, Esoteric, who is on his team along with them, has done amazing things in the game. All the members of his team and those other Be Bold teams, I couldn't be more proud of those guys for, for what they've accomplished and, and the acknowledgement that they're getting from, from Bungie and the entire greater Destiny community for, uh, for having beat out Redeem and all these other fantastic teams to get Worlds First. Yeah, it was a, it was a great race. It was it was quite quite the accomplishment for them. So congrats to Team B Bold and Carolina Gamer Esoteric. They're all amazing players. Yeah, I echo the sentiment. I think that uh, these teams were incredible with what they were able to accomplish. The level of teamwork and coordination that they showed. It's it's inspiring for guys like me who love Destiny, who love to raid. I mean, we were part of the race, right? We we played on day one. We like I played for almost twenty hours. Like yeah, I, we I did were in not there sleep. With, we were in there with Pyro and Nem yesterday. Yeah. Pyro gaming and Nem plays. Yeah. It's so we were trying trying. We were going for it, but it's it's inspiring hard. to see teams like Carolina beat the encounter and inspire all of us to become better guardians to become legends and to do something remarkable in the game and i have nothing but respect for the entire team carolina gamer esoteric and the rest of the team for what they were able to accomplish so big respect for them big props and bungie is doing such an amazing job with rewarding these guys the, the belt looks so sick I am so jealous, but so happy for them as well at the same time. Very, very exciting. And we learned that Bungie is going to Guardian Con. I've never been to so Guardian great. Con, but Shadow Price has. And I know that James was at Guardian Con multiple times. I am. I'm going and again this year. I can't wait. Does so much good for, for so many kids. The millions of dollars that's raised for St. Jude and, and, and Bungie being there last year and bringing Gambit and now being back there again this year where they announced 72 stations available for private, private crucible matches and to be able to, to play. Um, I, I'm sure it's going to be similar to the booth that they're going to have at E3, which is what on the 11th, they're on the Coliseum floor talking more about a destiny for them yep. to be. I, 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 I can't wait to see them at, at guardian con again and be able to, to hang out and talk to those guys. Definitely. And we know that there will be risk-reward matches where you can earn some pretty sweet loot. They will have a Drifter coin that you can get. You can also get an exclusive Guardian pin and a Dog Tag if you are able to win the Crucible matches that will be playable at Guardian Con. Very cool. And we also know that there will be some appearances at Guardian Con too. The Big Show. Well, well it's the big show. <laughs> and I, I don't know if do you guys remember Sorry, if they to. did this in previous years where they had a world's first award ceremony, or is this the this the first time they're doing this? This is the first I can remember. I think it's the first. I thought yeah. so too. 
which mm-hmm. again it, it goes to them really doing such an amazing job at celebrating the guardians who are able to complete these extraordinary challenges like the world's first race and- oh so Big Show's going to present the belts. Yeah, to them? he's going to present that's what the it belts sounds like. To yeah. the, to the oh, group, it's which, awesome! How amazing that's is that? That is so so cool. so cool. That's so cool. And uh, Big Show, he put out a tweet. He said, "Honored and really excited to share the stage with Bungie. I've been invited to Guardian Con July fifth to lead the ceremony for Worlds for Raid Worlds First winners. Guardians, I look forward to meeting you all." Hunter's rule. I agree on that. Yes. Hunter's rule. Yes. I'm a hunter main. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, Luke James, we didn't ask you this, but what is your main in Destiny? Are you a hunter, so, warlock, or titan main? It's a great question. I'm one of these weirdos that that I I literally pick a different class every season. I started in the beginning of D1 as a sun singer, warlock with self res. I moved into the crota days, and as a sword bearer, hunter. I was a max invis blade dancer hunter. Yep. When I when I moved into King's Fall, I was a void titan and a blessing bubble and weapons bubble, and helping people get through King's Fall. When I moved on to Wrath of the Machine, it was it was all about the the infinite tethers and the rig boots and the celestial nighthawk golden guns, and then ultimately, you know, doing the the blessing and weapons bubbles, and then the song of flame with the warlock and the infinite infinite nades and how much damage you could do came into the beginning of uh of d2 it was the the arc warlock in the throne room with the karnstein armlets and the ability to to clear the entire throne room solo and it seems like every season there's not only a different subclass solar void or arc but a different class that i gravitate to um so far in the new raid especially well. being underpowered and underleveled it's been that well warlock well. To, to to be able to uh to have those wells in that final boss room and and get that dps it's going to be fun to see throughout the course of this season with menagerie and and heroic and once we're 750 in the raid instead of 720 versus a 735 recommended encounter you know what will be that subclass what will be that class that really stands out i can't wait to see yeah, absolutely. I've learned that warlocks are super useful during that Crown of Sorrow raid. So useful so far. to have warlocks. Mm-hmm. That's why I my my warlock was my second character that I grinded out, and I was going to play on my hunter as my main, but then I switched to my warlock because having Luna faction with the well, oh man, it's very very useful. The more warlocks you have, the better during that raid. I feel like. So, very, very exciting. And we also learned that uh, Morla... I'm going to butcher her last name. Shadow, what's her last name? Eris Morla. What is it? Rorandona? Yes. What, what, what he said. So, Eris Morn, a.k.a. Morla, she will be at Guardian Con as well as part of the Bungie away team. And awesome. we also learned one more thing about Guardian Con... That will be coming this year and that is a live bungee ride along at guardian con with two of the creators of the whisper mission and the zero hour mission that's going to be really exciting too very cool i hope brendan thorne is one of them mr thorne has has just been amazing with the videos they've done in the past where they actually went into the whisper mission and and his uh, descriptions of of why they made the things they did and and how he designed the mechanics 
so that uh, you would able to be able to solo a Whisper Mission or solo the Outbreak shattered. Perfected and make it yeah. easier for a group. I, I hope I get to shake that man's hand and meet him in person and thank him for what is some of the best content we've ever seen in this game. Yeah, they just did the Shattered Throne right along. Like, uh, it was like a month mm-hmm. or so ago. So great to see. Yeah. Yeah, so this is all so exciting. And this was the Bungie Weekly update this week. There were a few other things that they talked about in terms of bugs and bug fixes and things like that and you can go ahead and check that out at bungie.net with the latest weekly update now to wrap things up for the evening we have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls because we love spicy tuna rolls and we rate it between one and five one being crappy five being amazing i think i know where we're all gonna rate this weekly update um so james do you want to go first i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna one up the system i hope this is okay as much as i love a spicy tuna roll there's something about like spicy tuna nigiri and and like i don't need the extra fluff that's in the roll if i could have just all the meat this is a five tuna nigiri this is all the meat that you could possibly get without the need for the added fluff because there's so much content in this, so many announcements, so many things that we want to hear about. This this could be the the best update we've ever seen uh, in in the history of uh, of Bungie. Yeah, I I echo that sentiment. Like I um I, the whole week I give a five, like uh, emphatically, a five, like all, all throughout. Like every it's just been amazing, like just getting all these amazing announcements as James alluded to. And, you know, it's, it's awesome to finally see what Bungie has been working on secretly and everything and where the future of destiny is going and everything. And it's just so awesome that they're able to give us all this information today. And I couldn't be more happier. Absolutely. The level of transparency and the level of openness that we saw today was just amazing from Bungie. They are embracing who they are as a franchise and as a studio. They're embracing the new path. They know it's going to be a road that is uncertain, right? Because this is the first time that Bungie has published their own game and they're on their own now. And it sounds like they are on the right path to bringing us a destiny that we all can enjoy and that we all can play together and share these special moments that only destiny can bring us. And I'm so excited. Five tuna nigiri, absolutely. Hands down. This update was absolutely incredible. The Vidoc was amazing. The trailer was amazing. The partnership with Google is a great thing for them. And I'm just excited about everything it's such an amazing time to be a destiny fan and i just feel i feel grateful like i am beyond happy right now i'm I'm so excited that we got a chance to learn about all this content and here we are podcasting about it how freaking awesome is that yeah and just seeing everybody else's jubilation and you know glee and everything you're watching everybody else's like react on it you watch a, you watch a houndish video. You watch a bite video. You watch a cactus video. You know everybody's just super, super excited. It's just awesome seeing 
you know, the reaction, this positive reaction that's uh, gone throughout the community. Definitely. Gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up for the night? I, I think I'm good. I, I think I, I don't think there's much more I can say <laughs> about this. It's, it's, it's amazing. I want to, I want to thank you guys for bringing me on. I, I feel like there was so much today, so much excitement, so many things that, that I wanted to talk about. And so for you guys to give me another venue to be able to talk about this game that I love and my excitement for Bungie and all the things that they're doing and the future and how bright it is. Thank you so much for giving me this platform to, to, to share this. You know, James, thank you. Thank you for being yeah, thank with you. us. Absolutely. I mean, like you have no idea how awesome today was for me. Like this is cloud nine. This is just like a dream come true to be able to have you on the show and I remember watching your stream uh, during Spire of Stars, and you are such an inspirational individual, and I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to hang out with you and to talk about Destiny. And, and I mean, you're an incredible person. You are one of the coolest people in this community, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for you and for everything that you do. And it's people like you that inspire us to play the game to want to be a bigger part of this community. And it's individuals like you who inspired us to start a podcast, to get shit off the ground and do it. So thank you. Thank you for being on with us and thank you for everything that you do for this community. I am so grateful for your time and for everything that you do for so many guardians around the world. You are an incredible individual and a very special individual in this community, and you deserve nothing yeah. but the most success here. And I, I, I wish nothing but the best for you. And I hope we get a chance to do this more with you because I think you're such an amazing person, and you've we've had such an amazing episode, and I'm so proud and so grateful and so happy that we got a chance to do this. And it's been such a blast. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, James. Thanks for the three hours and almost 15 minutes of your time tonight. We really appreciate that so very much. And I, hope I appreciate our it. You guys are far too kind. Thank you. I hope our listeners will enjoy it too. I know they will. So James, before we wrap things up for the evening, where can we all learn more about you? Yeah. J James work is, is the key to me. So on, on Twitch, my, my partner Twitch stream is is, uh, is James Work. Uh, Twitter, it's James Work. My gamer tags are James Work. If you're looking for a, a community um, where you need help to get through anything in Destiny or just want people to play with, James Work on Discord. Um, I, I'm, I'm friends with a, a lot of other members of the community. Um, we talked about Be Bold, and I, I've got a stream team of, of, of members that are all uh, streamers that like to help people get through. Uh, connect with any of us if you want people to play with on PlayStation, Xbox, PC, soon to be on Google Stadia. We're always looking for people to to bring into the community and new people to take through activities and have fun playing the game with. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, definitely awesome. check out James. He is an incredible content creator, and he does incredible work in this community. And uh, go check him out. James' work everywhere. Twitch, Twitter, Discord. And uh, Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? 
You can follow me on the Twitterverse at ShadowPrice79. And when I decide to get my butt off, you know, this chair and start streaming, and you can follow, you can find me on twitch.tv slash I am ShadowPrice. Very cool. And as a reminder, you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and the list goes on. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being a part of our podcast. We appreciate you all, and we cannot wait for next week and all of the exciting things that are to come with Destiny. As a reminder, we will have Houndish on the podcast next week, so we're going to learn a lot about Houndish and what he does, and we're going to talk a lot more about the new season of Opulence and the content that we'll be playing this fall in Destiny. So thank you, Guardians, for tuning in for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons & Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.